0: what's going on everybody welcome back to another episode of woke it's your boy aaron here with some more guests but my boy jeffrey back brought his brother and my very best friend jared back but my other close friend my other best friend andrew back my cousin steven is back i'm back we all back back in black acdc black panther party don't matter it's back we back let's get it all right fellas y'all ready for the conversation piece today Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, before we get there, I do want to give a shout out to my sponsor at Child Lead Clothing. Everybody knows I've been sponsored by them for a while. Definitely love them. Definitely appreciate them. Go and show them some loves yourself. That's C-H-A-L-E clothing. We'll get you some nice t-shirts, hoodies, hats. They have new caps out now. So if you're looking for new hats, trucker hat style. Um or regular cap style, baseball cap style, they got them. Go check them out at chalet Clothing at C H A L E Clothing, and also check out my other sponsor, my brand new sponsor, Katana Creations on Instagram at Katana underscore Creations with a K, all one word. Does great um embroidery work um any type of anime you want, Marvel superhero, DC superhero, whatever you want. The brother does it. The brother's fantastic. Just DM him and he will work with you, get you a price and design that you want best. That is Katana Creations. Again, creations with a K. All right. So the topic at hand that I have for everybody is recently Comic-Con just happened. And there was a whole bunch of different conversations and panels and thoughts and ideas and presentations and people who went and people who didn't go that... I wanted to talk about, now, unfortunately, the main source for all this was IGN, um, and I think that they get very biased and terrible reviews on a lot of things, but I was there for the news and not their opinions. However, we're here to talk today. So the first bit of business is upcoming projects that we are looking forward to, whether that be movies, video games, comic books, graphic novels, whether the case may be. So I have some things that will be coming out next year that I saw from watching the show as well, things that I've gathered. Before I do, what are some things coming up in the near future that you all are looking forward to? It I saw the perfect. One
1: Piece trailer. Oh, yes, I saw the One Piece trailer, and it didn't look horrible. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For the Netflix show? Yeah, the um, we'll live action uh, one. Oh, my God. the The thing that keeps having me weak about that trailer is buggy.
2: <laughs> Aaron you already know what I'm going to be doing
0: no I can't wait <laughs> oh god I, I will say it looks better than what people are giving it credit for but I'm not about to say this is going to be the greatest thing ever
2: I am still want to watch it and give it a fair observation so but... far it's given the best live action anime adaptation I've seen thus far at least trailer wise so I'm curious to see if it follows through in the episodes but like The care that I've seen given to it and the detail, you can tell the creator's involved versus I feel like other live action adaptations. I don't think the creator had the control that I think Oda did over this because they even had an article come out recently that he forced them to reshoot some scenes and like till they got it right. And I think that that's one of those things where even the note he released about, you know, I'm not going to let him put it out till I think it's ready. I think definitely this is going to be the test to see if live action can even happen, you know, through adaptation.
0: Okay. I will say that was one of the things that was talked about at Comic-Con, but I didn't think that was talked about enough. I think it's also because Netflix wasn't at this year's Comic-Con and that is technically their project. So it makes sense as well as it would have been cool if that conversation could have happened about it. But Andrew, what's something you're looking forward to? Hmm. Well, let's think. Stuff that
3: I'm looking forward to this is- well, obviously the a lot of Marvels related stuff. Definitely looking forward to all that. kind of think, what was I can't remember? You sent me some earlier. Oh yeah, I do remember seeing um, what was it? An animated adaptation of Crisis on Infinite Earth.
0: Yep, that uh, comes out next year.
3: Yeah, I was like, hmm, not bad, and and it kind of is interesting because I saw a post on IG and. The post was basically asking the question Do you think it's too soon to adapt Crisis on Infinite Earth? And I'm just like, first off, it's an animated movie. So who who cares if it's too soon or not? Mm. Like, like, I never understood. I don't understand why people are doing it. It would be different if it was live action. That's a whole different story. But animated movies, they can pretty much be whatever. So I, I never understood why that was even. Why that was even a point of contention in that one big post.
0: I know. I agree.
3: And I know like within with regards to like games, I don't know. It wasn't announced at Comic Con, but I have a feeling there probably there was probably like a booth relating to it. Uh the new 2D Sonic game, Sonic Superstars. I think that that looks pretty good, and from like what people have been saying in terms of how it looks, it feels. It definitely looks and feels like the classic two D game. So it's essentially just that, but with modern like three D graphics. And I'm like, okay, I can get behind that.
0: Sort of like how they did that Mario
3: game. I think, was- this, I, I think at this point, you mean damn it, every Mario game.
0: Yeah, they're yeah,
3: you're of, right. They are they, they, kind of all the same, and people get all hyped. Like it's a brand new experience. <laughs> Damn the shade.
1: <laughs> oh, it's Mario. doing something
3: else. <laughs> well, at, at this point, we got to just call a spade a spade. It, it doesn't really change all that much, especially, especially the stories in Mario games. Like, if we're being honest, the most depth a Mario story ever had was in the movie. Other than that, it's been Save Princess Peach. You know, it's been established in other games that she can fight and she can defend herself, but, but 99% of the time, she doesn't.
0: Mm-hmm. True damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She used to be that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. I will say some of the other stuff that was interesting that was talked about was a new Star Wars open world game that comes out next year. I'm actually very excited about that. I know a lot of fans of Star Wars, weren't too happy about that because the protagonist for the game is a bounty hunter and not like a Jedi or a Sith. But I'm like, okay, if you want to play as like a Jedi, then go play the Star Wars um, games that recently just came out. Why am I blanking on the name right now? But they're good too. Fallen Order? Yeah, Fallen Order and yeah. the, one, the, the sequel to that game. Go play those games because they're basically an open world game as well. But I'm excited for that one, personally. Um, of course, the Spider-Man game coming out, that's been getting a lot of buzz. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know why I forgot
3: about that. Yeah, Spider-Man 2, and it's just like, somehow, someway, I got to give me a PS5 because I got to play that game. I got <laughs>
0: you. you got to. You and Jeffrey both come on. Now. I got to get on the train, baby. Oh, and speaking of Spider-Man
3: 2, I, I, I love, me personally, I just love the fact that they, done, they gave Moss, like, some lock. I'm like, cause I just love lots, and just to see my Morales have I'm like, I love you, so Insomniac.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love seeing differences because he killed that fade in the first one. I'm like, all right, let's see what number two got. <laughs> I like new looks. I love when they give characters new styles, hair, and I, yeah, I love all that. Oh yeah,
0: and it's a good way to show you that time has passed by too, like a very mm-hmm. subtle way.
2: Yeah. Um. What was
0: some other things that came out recently. Um Aaron, Aaron, was it um was it IGN that made that video
1: the uh over exaggerated swagger of a black teenager?
0: Yes they did
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you see this stuff like that is why I have very little respect for IGN especially considering the fact that I'm a fan of the Sonic the Hedgehog series at this point it should be common knowledge that like IGN just has like bias against I will forget, there was a there was a few years back, but one of the there was like some panel, not even a panel. There were just IGN people, talking. and they and someone asked the question. uh, is Sonic good? And then another IGN person said, "Well, Sonic wasn't Sonic was never good." And like ever since then, IGN has just never been in the good graces of Sonic community because. So
0: because they have people who are in charge, and it's like, it's the one black dude they got, I can't stand his ass, but they never have objectivity when it comes to things. Like, when when things like that happen, you can give your opinion, but your opinion is not all the time, it's exactly what it was. There are some things that definitively come out that are bad or good, like The Eternals, the Marvel movie, it was bad objectively it was bad however i do know people who do like that movie and that's okay but then you got something else where objectively like one of the more recent sonic games was very good it was one of the best-selling games last year um which one was it andrew i know you played it
3: oh sonic frontiers and as and as a matter of fact not like a couple months ago it surpassed sonic heroes as the highest
0: selling 3d sonic game and that objectively makes the game successful, in my opinion, regardless if you like I'm not the biggest Sonic fan, but I'm going to recognize that that right there is successful. And I think leaving that that is fair
3: and not and and just kind of like just kind of go more with that because of how successful the game has been this top. There have been like these talks about of Sega giving Sonic Team bigger budgets for future games, which means that they can bring more people onto Sonic Team like the team that develops Sonic games so the games can get bigger and better. So this is a win-win for Sonic fans.
0: No, I, I agree. And some other stuff that happened um, at Comic-Con was there's a new announcement for um, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game based off the most recent graphic novel called The Last Ronin. There'll be a sequel to that story, which I'm actually excited for because I read it and it was very good. Um Updates on shows. The Boys, a very popular show, is getting its it's like <clears throat> excuse me, it's like another spin off show. Um, basically like a a university where supers train. Think about like very gritty X Men or extreme, not even extremely dangerous. My Hero because that's already dangerous, but a very
2: a different version of like My Hero Academia.
0: Um, Invincible season two can't mm-hmm. wait for
2: that. Oh, I, I can't wait. For I that. was looking at the uh, cast that uh, did the guest cast list at the end. And I was like, oh, they've got some heavy hitters, especially with Sterling K. Brown and even Tatiana Maslany. But Peter Cullen, who is who is he specifically? Peter Cullen is going to
0: be this new. Well, not new because I've I've been reading it. Peter Cullen is is playing this one. I don't want to give it away, but he's playing oh. an important character that plays a part in a very big storyline. Oh, he was the voice of Optimus Prime. Okay. Yes, he was the voice of Optimus Prime, but I forget I, the character's name. But he plays uh, basically a high diplomat who is in, who's in charge of a correlation that protects all of the universe. And, and he, I'm just going to leave it right there because it is a lot and it's very good.
2: It seems like Seth Rogen's character is going to have a bigger role this season. Is that true, or is it oh, just he I mean, is? Oh, trust okay. me, he
0: is. From how the story goes, his character Alan the Alien has a very big part in this upcoming—not even just next season, but probably the foreseeable future.
2: I was about to say, without Omni Man, like, um, what's his name needs someone to give him some of that perspective of what's going on in space because he literally knew stuff about, you know, what Viltrumites had done before, and it's like, is he going to be able to come in clutch with some information or? Oh, Jeffrey, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, he's gonna be very
0: <laughs> he to an extent an Ace whole. Ooh, I'm trying to think of a good comparison of who and what he is. Let let's just say for for not giving away anything in the Invincible storyline, that he is like, I don't want to say a spine, but he's like legs. Mm. You you can figure out a way to maneuver this, but you rather walk. Like you rather be able to have legs. Like mm. if, if that makes sense.
2: I, I gotta see what the plot line is. I think I know what you're talking about. And I think I'm gonna love it. Yes,
0: yes. He's very important to the story, and I I love his character. So I'm glad that he's gonna be more heavily involved.
3: Hold oh, on. So you said uh among like the people that are lending their voices to it, you said uh you said Tatiana Maslany.
2: Yeah, there's gonna be I'll even give you the whole list. It's got Chloe Bennett, Rob Delaney, Luke McFarlane, Jay Farrow. Rhea Seahorn, Carrie Walgren, Chantel Van uh Cliff mm. Curtis, Calista Flockhart, Scott Nair- McNary, Leah Thompson, Camden Coley, Peter Cullen, of course, um, Tim Robinson, Eric Bauza, Sterling K. Brown, Tatiana Maslany, David Diggs, Ella Purnell, Lincoln Bowden, Josh Keaton, Paul Tompkins, Ben Schwartz, and Phil Lamar's name definitely popped up.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I have oh. an idea who Phil Lamar is going to play. Same thing with Jay Farrah. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm I definitely, I de- 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 definitely
3: recognize Ben Swartz because he's the <clears throat> he's the current voice of the movie iteration of Sonic the Hedgehog. So I definitely recognize that oh, that, that that person. Did
1: you say Ray Seahorn?
2: Not- yeah.
1: She's in Better Call Saul. She's Kim.
2: Oh, okay. Wait, really? She's yeah. what?
1: Huh? She's in Better Call Saul. She's Kim. She's a deuteragonist. I didn't know she did voice acting.
2: Me neither. It seems like a lot of these people are getting into it because I haven't really seen even David Diggs do a lot of voiceover until he did Little Mermaid recently.
0: Oh, She's a phenomenal actress. If they're bringing on all these heavy hitters, then it's definitely going to equal to what the story has been so far and where it's going to go.
2: And it was interesting because they, when they pulled in all the names, they left the center one uh, like blank until the very end. And Peter collins was there. So I'm guessing that also has something to do with the type of character he's going to play.
0: Oh, yes. And let me just tell you, he is perfect for that character. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Like
2: because, 81 years old. He's bringing the
0: gravitas to the role.
2: Exactly.
0: Like he he's up there in legends when it comes to voice acting. He, he's arguably top top three. Top, definitely top five.
3: Yeah. No. That that that's a fair assessment. Now right. the, the only the only reason why I asked uh to be clear if I heard Tatiana Maslani was just because I, I don't think she's a bad actress, but She Hulk just did not do her any justice. And I would definitely have to see what she does outside of that in order for her to get back in
2: my good graces. What because... was she going for? Was it Orphan Black? I forget. I think that was what she got famous for. I need to look it up. But it was something I haven't seen that was the reason people really loved it. But I can't I don't think I ever saw it. So I need to check into it. Hmm. Yeah, it was a black. OK. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you for that, because I did not have that answer. But thank you. Thank um, <laughs> you. But moving right along with the next question, before we do, I do want to give another shout out to my sponsors, both Childly Clothing and Katana Creations. Um, I'm excited to partner with Katana Creations. They have wonderful, very cool, and very unique embroidery styles that you can get for hoodies and t-shirts. The brother's very, very down to earth, very nice guy. Um, I talked to him recently, and he's definitely looking for people It's not just... Enjoy his brand and what he does, but also to support and also to spread the word. Because it's more than just about him making a dollar; it's about him giving you a sense of comfort. Because he always says that. Well, he told me he always says that when you find comfort in things that give you life, it gives you more energy to the things that you love. And hope that made sense. Hope I don't sound crazy. Really good guy. Really good brand. And also the OG brand, Charlie Clothing. Can't forget them. Go check it out and what else they got new they got something new coming out i forget what it is but they definitely like i said earlier in the show they do have new hats out if you want to go check them out go see what they got and you can definitely go hit up your boy on instagram at underscore lens 15 and i can give you my promo code 15 percent off uh, before we move on did jared have anything to say or is he waiting for something to come in and be like now nah,
4: that's wrong <laughs> oh, I mean, I I just was I was listening on whatever I had to say. Uh, I didn't I didn't really necessarily key in the Comic Con this year. I just been kind of out of it. But if we're in the topic of like media, uh, and expectations, um, or anime, I know that's the next one. But just to key in on this one, uh, the Gear Five episode coming out in August, and the the budget that's about to go into this is about to be pretty crazy for an anime mm-hmm. episode, like. Even, I mean, yeah, Dragon Ball Z is one thing, but the scale that they're going with the description of this is going to be crazy, I think. Like, it's not going to be just some throw-in-the-pot kind of thing. And I did, there has been an official trailer release for it, and you see some of the animation, but I already know it's been released as of recently in the anime. It's It's going to be wild, and I think it's going to garner a lot of attention for how anime and just, not even just anime, but animated media is about to kind of take a bigger storm than it already has over our culture, so... Uh, i I agree yeah that's just one thing and as far as games this is more of a personal one i'll say Mm -hmm. but uh i'm kind of big with racing games and i open world is a big deal for me just in a lot of concepts for games and test drive unlimited uh solar crown i think is the one is like an open world one that's coming out and like they're doing a bunch of beta testing right now to really get the game right and I know people like Gran Turismo and other games like that and it's not had like real big attention to it Mm -hmm. um I just think it's going to be something that's going to be pretty nice coming out because it's just open world racing and having that space to just drive is nice versus having to be on a track all the time I know I mean you've talked about that in the past in certain racing games but Mm-hmm. yeah it's i think it's gonna be pretty tight because it's gonna be an accurate map i believe of some area and i think china or something like that like they actually use satellite images for the game it's pretty cool um yeah i think that's gonna be pretty tight so that's really that's all i had to say on that piece really what game
0: is this again so i go check it out
4: uh test drive unlimited solar crown like yeah they they had games in the past like the last one they did it was like an accurate map of Ibiza and uh hawaii i think it, they had like 80 or 90 percent of the map accurate for the game so like if you look at the island it's almost like playing a google map it's pretty crazy okay. uh so that was just cool to me at the time and i mean if this game is anything like that it's gonna be pretty tight With they take care of it and take their time with trying to map it out correctly and having a good quality of gameplay so okay that's the main thing with that i appreciate it i'm definitely going to check it out myself because
0: I was having this conversation with one of my other friends and I was telling him how I'm excited that fighting games are coming back with right now like Mortal Kombat, Tekken, um, mm-hmm. uh, Budokan Ultimate, Tekken 4 is going to be coming out. Um, Why am I blinking
4: on another one? It's- uh, there's a couple good ones that have been coming out, but are also coming out that I've not like been keying in too much on, but I, it's been coming across my radar that I've seen in like the last year and a year and a half or so. Like, a lot of good fighting games have been hitting the community, I've noticed. And even just the care for the community has changed, too. So, yeah, especially with, like, Dragon Ball Z coming back into the fold and it actually being established with fighters at first. But now, like, the Boudicca concept and going even further with that, oh, yeah. Like, it's about to change the game for technique and gameplay and online. Because I, I don't know for how many years I've seen on comments on YouTube, Instagram, oh, yeah, this was Tinkaiichi 3 or something like that. We, it wouldn't go like this, this, that, and the other. So, like, it's going to be interesting to see that gameplay in today's climate for online gaming, honestly, and how that affects it. I agree. All right, fellas, moving on to
0: the next topic. We're talking about DC. I know me and Jeffrey have been – waiting to have a little bit of this conversation. I know me and Aaron to talk about this some time to time. And Stephen, you said something interesting that I want to bring up in a little bit about the future of DC. But before we get to that, what is some oh, DC... Man, one more thing mm-hmm. that I'm excited for. The Danny Phantom graphic novel just came out and
1: people say that it's actually good.
0: Ooh. That's right. Yes, because we did. We talked about it last time. I got to go to Barnes & Noble and get my copy. Yeah, I got to get mine. I'm excited for it. Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Oh, speaking of that, uh, Todd McFarlane, um, if if you know who Tommy Farley is, you know who he is. If you don't, you know who he is wow. without even know who he is. But basically he talked about how he has other spawn projects coming out that he released that day, the first day of Comic Con. So if you're a big spawn person, go check those out. Um I hope that a new spawn series can come out. Also, real quick, to bleed and to blend into this topic of basically what DC projects are we coming, coming out that we're both looking forward to and we're skeptical of. Um, something that's coming out is, uh, recently, DC made, it was a blank piece of paper, but starting next year, they got quite a few animated movies coming out. So I think that that's pretty cool. So I, it's like blending that one and blending this one, but to pass it to you all, what are some DC projects that you are both excited for and some that you are skeptical of or worried about? like projects made shows movies um other forms of media whatever i can go first i know like
3: for me one dc project that i'm definitely looking forward to is the blue beetle move i know like when i um like when i first watched young justice jaime reyes blue beetle was definitely a standout character especially in season two and from that from that moment on I just I just really love the character. So I'm glad that he we're going to be able to see him in his own movie. And with the way that the movie looks, it very really looks like a like a self-contained movie. So but I am kind of skeptical with like with with regards to how well it will succeed, as well as just kind of like everything live action DC related, with the exception of the Batman 2. Simply because, and I and I remember seeing like videos of people like commenting on this saying that uh, James Gunn saying that the Flash is going to reset many things and basically reboot the universe. It kind of kills, it kind of una- had the, un- the unfortunate effect of killing hype for whatever DC movies they still have left, like the Aquaman sequel. And Blue Beetle. And I've been seeing a lot, like a lot of people saying that, you know, some people opposing that it's projected to have an abysmal box office weekend. And a lot of people, they keep saying that part of the reason for that is because they just look at The Flash and it's like, if The Flash didn't do well, what makes you think Blue Beetle's gonna do well? And to that, I think that that's a bit unfair because with The Flash, it had a lot of things working against it most notably uh, the studio deciding to keep Ezra Miller on despite all the stuff that that person did. And so, but with Blue Beetle, there's literally no baggage. There's literally been no behind the scenes drama. It's literally just been the actors and the directors and the producers whatever, just making the movie and just focusing on that.
0: It's been a very quiet
3: project. Exactly. And that that's part of the reason why I'm looking forward to it. Cause like even if you look in the if you look at all the prior DCEU movies, the ones that have had a troubled production that we've known about well up until the movie came out, it underperformed in some way, shape, or
0: form. That's very true. Um Steven or Jeffrey and
4: Jared, uh, anybody can go in. Um Oh, you can go ahead. Okay. Yeah, it was nothing real big. I know that there's apparently like a Beast Boy show coming out on Cartoon Network. Yes, I can't wait for that. I can't yeah. wait for that. That's gonna be interesting because he's just one of them characters we've and and just what we've got. We've gotten depth, but like not especially in like an animated or even live action like, media yeah, as well. We yeah, that was about it. But that was more like played off on versus just or I don't know how to describe that moment more. That was Very interesting. Yeah, and how they and how they framed it, I'll say. But if this is like an actual series just about him, like purely and sheerly, it's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, and
0: Beast Boy is my favorite member of the Teen Titans. So I'm I'm excited for bias reasons. (laughs) Um, but I'm also excited just because it's something new, like no shade to like Harley Quinn. She has a good show, but it's like it's not Harley Quinn, it's not the Joker, it's not Batman, it's not Superman, it's somebody who should who should, in my opinion, as well as will get some shine to their story. And I appreciate that. All right, Steven.
4: This
1: is pseudo DC, but um, because I think it's originally Image or Dark Horse probably partner with them. But I've heard Fables is coming back. I got. I've been getting into that recently. Really? Yeah.
0: When is that coming back? Like, do they have a date?
1: I don't know exactly, but I know that Bigby had a crossover with Batman. That either came out a little bit ago, or coming out soon.
0: Oh. Um. Um. Shoot. Shoot. They Lost my train of thought. Anyway, but that's interesting i didn't expect anything like that so that is pretty cool
2: uh jeffrey uh i'm really excited for uh if we're talking animated i got some excited ones and also i have some live action ones dc i'm excited about that we've obviously chatted about um you can tell them all. Oh, shoot you know i don't care Uh, you know me Uh, I'm really excited to see how creature commandos is going to be animated I think that's one that because it's going to build into the universe I'm really excited to see the depth that they you know and since this is going to be something that's integral to their universe I'm pretty sure that the budget's not going to be skimpy so I'm really excited to see how that goes and who does voices and I guess it's going to show who's going to play the characters as well um, so I think that's gonna be interesting for animated, but for live action, I'm really excited to see how the brave and the bold movie with Batman goes, because I've been dying, as you know, for a Damian Wayne, you know, entrance into the live action verse for the longest time. And like, I'm really curious to see who they're going to hire to be Batman and who they're going to hire for Damien. Cause they have to have that father son, but also that antagonistic, but fatherly chemistry. Like it's gotta be a specific type of feel. And I'm really excited to see who they get for that. I have have an idea who I want to do Batman, but I'm just biased.
0: Okay, who do you want to do Batman? Because I want Jason Heckles.
2: That's exactly, yeah, Jensen Ackles. Like, I've loved Supernatural for the longest time, and he's even said back when he first started the show, like, that he wanted to play Batman someday, and he's done some of the voices, and even I think he did Batman's voice for a recent project that came out this past year. What was that one called? I
4: think it was an animated one. Yeah. Yeah. He he actually,
3: yeah, he's voiced Batman for, like, a lot of different projects, so it, it, if he ended up playing him in live action, that's that wouldn't be a bad choice because he's already played him before. It's mm-hmm. like it's kind of like how some people have said for the longest time they would have, they would they would have liked to see um Kevin Conroy as an older Bruce Wayne in like a Batman Beyond project. It's like I can see that.
2: Mm-hmm. And I, you know, oh go ahead, my bad. Oh no, I was just saying like with Jensen, I think he's also somebody I could buy. As the father of someone Damien's age, but still someone who is a Batman in his prime, like it still is a good age gap and like, cause he's not 50 yet. He's in his late forties, I think, or mid forties. I'm like, that's the perfect range to have a Damien who's about 11, 12, like that type of chemistry. I think they definitely, we've even seen him have that with characters on Supernatural. Um, and I really think that it's something he could do well with just because he has kids of his own. So he understands, you know, a little bit about how that goes versus those actors who don't have children whatsoever. When they have to work with, you know, younger actors, it's either impersonal sometimes or it just depends on who they are. So I think I, I don't know. I just really have followed his career for a while. And he seems like a person that would be great for the role. And I'd be curious to see who's going to play Joe opposite at somebody like him.
0: That that is going to be interesting because I like how some of those projects, they're going to keep closer to the vest. And mm-hmm. I hope that's one of them. Um, I'll continue more what I can um, say about that in a second. But... No. Oh, go ahead.
3: The only thing that with regards to the Brave and the Bold that I am, that does kind of give me worry is that the person who directed that is also the same person who directed the class, So...
0: Yeah, and you know that—that's oh, my. Yeah, mm,
2: I got opinions.
0: But say, and oh, go ahead, Jeff. Just say it. You know, I'm listening.
2: Uh, look, <laughs> Ezra Miller aside, right? And I have, you know, I've had my opinions on that now. Um, and you know, I love Grant Gustin, but anyway, I, I said, <laughs> but anyway, but um, I think that the direction, even for him to have said, and you know, he has doubled down on this saying, "Oh yeah, the graphic defects, that was purposeful." When in reality, there was many stories about the overworked graphics and VFX people and just like that they weren't able to finish a lot of stuff in time and the timetables they had been put on were crazy, which I hope they also go on strike soon to get the money they deserve. But that's another story too. Um, but for me, I'm just like, okay. Uh, and I, I need to view the Flash movie in whole, but like just in the things that I've seen with the graphic effects and things of that nature, it really just makes me wonder, okay, can you handle a Batman Brave in the Bowl? Because this has to be done in a way that, like, I'm curious to see if with this new lineup of DC, right, if they're going to let each hero's story or each movie have its own style, or are they going to try to go the, you know, this pass route where they kind of put everybody in the same type of color gradient scaling and the way they do the camera work, like, are they going to have more freedom and creativity? And to me, it seems James Gunn might give that. So that's where I'd say that I'm curious, but I think what's really going to matter is going to be the writers, so.
0: And this is where it comes to, with me, with my pros, like the things I'm looking forward to as well, as the things I'm skeptical about. The thing, like the projects I'm looking forward to, one is the Green Lantern show. Oh yes, I
2: can't wait for that. Um is <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> damn it, Jeffrey. <laughs> Who's
2: what, this voice actor in uh, Justice League? I was watching it the other day. Phil Lamar. <laughs> Man, I look. Uh, all I can tell you, Shira. You know, Look, that's it. <laughs> Ain't nobody He could, yoked her I'm like they was in the stream. I'm like, yo. <laughs> trying to tell you, John, just look. <laughs> oh, no. So <laughs> I have a job to do.
0: <laughs> oh, God. I'm excited for that. I know, Jeffrey, you and I are both excited for the Penguin Show.
2: Oh yeah, man, especially because Jeffrey Wright's supposed to be in it, right? Yes, he is Commissioner Gordon in that but show. Yeah. His Commissioner Gordon is my favorite. The, like, it's not even being biased because oh, he's a black Commissioner Gordon. It's not even just that, but his his portrayal. I, I just I love everything about it, and I know he's going to be my favorite Jim Gordon live action thus far, just because the the. Comedic timing he brings to that character by even not even meaning to, I think is exactly what Commissioner Gordon even was in some of the animated form. You're like, I'm laughing, but he is dead serious about what he's talking about.
0: <laughs> he be talking, just talking, thinking Batman right there, and it's like, damn,
2: where you go? That's, that's it. So I'm <laughs> like, it was little moments like that, or the moment where it was like, you're gonna punch me in the face and run out the back, and
3: th- and then and then later he was like, you know, you could have pulled your punch. I did. <laughs>
0: and you know that's the thing about batman too that i love from the animated shows that should be carried over to the movies is those little lines where he's dead ass but it's funny like in justice league when it was like you have a satellite i have five (laughs) like he's so serious but it's delivered in a way that's so funny to me and
3: that's and that's the kind of humor that works with batman
0: not not him trying to
3: act like a like DC's Tony Stark, him just being direct and serious, but and but it being set in a way that it becomes unintentionally fun.
0: It's true. It, it works so well. But I will say this: I still love Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon from the Christopher Nolan Bat Night trilogy. However, yeah. it, it is okay if he's no longer number one. he'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> but those are like two things I'm primarily excited for. Something I'm skeptical about, me, myself, besides the director for Batman the Brave and the Bold movie, for his direction, I'm skeptical about who James Gunn is going to put in these projects. But, actually, I'm jumping a little ahead of myself. I will save that. So, I will save that. Um. So, a project that I'm skeptical about, in all honesty, is the Miranda Waller series. Ooh. Uh, I'm ooh. I'm skeptical because I need to know who's the is this another part of the Suicide Squad who's the antagonist who who are we surrounding around her performance you know, as Amanda Waller that's what I'm skeptical of not as her but
2: everybody else writers I would love to see beyond the Amanda Waller show who oh wait can you hear me yes 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 oh sorry the writers that i would love to see on that show would be the ones from house of cards that type of writing with waller's character like because i think even in that show frank underwood was not a good guy but you were getting the perspective of this terrible system that also exists that he exists in and i think that's what waller's whole shtick is is that she does terrible things but also she's existing in a system that's got like arkham where it's literally just criminals getting re-released reoffending like so t- i think for an waller based series you have really got to show me something with her that shows why she's the way she is without excusing it if that makes sense
0: yes i agree you have to not make it justifiable but
2: understandable exactly like i think even if you look at uh scandal right uh papa pope on that show his whole backstory is that he did everything he did because he felt he had to do it He doesn't admit to being a good person or that he's done great things, but it's just he stands strong and I made choices I had to make and here's why. And I think that's what I want to see out of Waller's is because – I don't want to see some characters just evil for evil's sake. Or I'm just bad. And I'm, ooh, I'll kill my daughter and I'll kill this person. Like, no, I want to see the depth. And when you've got somebody like a Viola Davis with her caliber, you've got to give me some kind of depth. You've got to give me something if you've got her on board to do a series as this character, you know? And I agree with you. It really is also going to depend on who she's playing opposite, you know? hmm
0: Like, are you going to... Oh, go ahead.
3: First, I just want to say, man, uh, Papa Pope, yeah, yes. he, he was a he he was a cold dude. Like I remember that one <laughs> that there was that one episode when he was telling Olivia's like you will get on that plane by hella high water, and I'll and let me and I'll let you
2: know I am the hella high water.
3: I'm like, damn he did that. Made
2: that. Delivered every monologue he had, I mean, a class act. Uh,
3: and he, he was also, and he was also Cyborg's dad in uh in Justice in the Justice of Yeah,
0: America. I'm cool with him coming back for that role. <laughs> I am. I'm cool. He'll come he back with that. Great, Lucius Fox. I'm. I'm just saying. You. you know. I remember one day, um, <laughs> Jeffrey, you, Joe, and I were talking about how Lucius should be not in the James Gunn DCU, but in like the Batman verse. And I still think that they should go with someone not like old, but not like real young. I think they should yeah. go with someone like in their
2: early thirties. I could see that. I could go with. That. I mean, I still say like it still to me needs to be someone uh, older than bruce like by no. a, a good amount like i think maybe a little younger than the alfred of that verse but not by too much okay i'm not against that i could i can see that working like yeah, a that late would,
3: 30s that would make, yeah that would make that would make a lot of sense because he would have to be old
2: enough to where he was
3: like somewhat familiar with bruce's parents but not so young to where like he was a child
2: and also for Bruce to have developed that trusting relationship, he had to have some be someone that Bruce at least looked up to or respected in a specific way that I don't think would be there if they were colleagues, like on the direct age level.
0: Mm. So right. he would
2: definitely have to be in his 40s because Bruce is yeah. in his 20s in this timeline. Because Let's really look at it, right? Bruce, if we even look at that uh, that world, even a lot of other ones, Bruce doesn't really respect anybody his age or lower. No, not at all. Like unless they really do some big stuff or they you know heroes like on the team, but like Bruce has more respect for people like Commissioner Gordon, like Alfred, you know, like Lucius. So I think there is a pattern there that I think you have to still have for it to ring true because Bruce is a character, you know, regardless of who he is, he lost his parents, so there is going to be some part of him that is longing for an older role model figure, whether it be male or female, that knows what they're talking about. You know.
0: Yes, I completely agree.
2: I think that's why he leans on different ones in different iterations each time.
0: I like that, though. I, I liked how. Words, sorry. Like thought. <laughs> I, I like how we're presenting that for how that should go, because we because we've seen it before. So we know how it works. Um, Stephen, did you have anything to respond to what we were talking about? i guess not
1: um yeah the amanda waller show <laughs> sorry my phone was messing up the amanda waller oh, yeah. show the um the House, of cards comment. House of cards used to be like a really good show but i can pinpoint the exact like, episode it tanks in season five in quality and it never recovers i don't know that i don't know if sending a show around amanda waller is a good idea because i feel like she's made to be a side character for the most part when she's like she's a counter argument to the justice league primarily and how they do things morally, and I don't yeah. know if you can center a show. I mean, I'm not saying you can't. You could do that. I don't know if it would work well to center a show entirely around her because she she's not counting anything at that point. She's not serving the role of her character.
2: I'd be curious to see with it, and I get exactly what you're saying. Like she definitely has to have someone that has to be, even within maybe the same type of role of you know. I think she is more of a lawful. Well. Mm, I don't even know what she would be on that scale. To be uh, honest. She
0: she definitely would be um, chaotic or good in yeah. my opinion.
2: And I'd be curious to see what type of lawful good character she has to work with even within her own organization because they can't all be a lot of Amanda Wallers. No, lawful chaotic. There we go. I think
1: Amanda Waller is more lawful evil.
2: Yeah. Really?
0: Okay. I can see that, so I'm not going to disagree with that.
2: It depends on the iteration too with, you know, because I think even if you yeah. look at how she was at the end of um it was a batman beyond or was it in the end of justice league that they showed it with cloning terry just like league. i think she justice did it, not it. because,
3: yeah, you yeah. Not because you
2: know, yeah she did it not because you know she was just like oh i had to go make a quick buck and they need a new batman like she actively wants to protect the future but she has just gotten to the point it seems to me that the ends justifies the means because i don't have time anymore to work with these people like i'm not saying she's right whatsoever but i think she's gotten to the point where she's like, I'm just going to do what I have to do. And it's my way or the highway. And I think that's a whole character to play, but she definitely needs a foil or at least someone to keep her in check for the narrative to actually be interesting.
0: And her speech to Terry was very beautifully written as well as it was still Amanda Waller of like, like you said, I did what I had to do. However, the world needs a Batman. Mm -hmm. Like the world needs someone like that Mm -hmm. to fight for truth and justice. And you were hit Terry.
2: And also, if we're being really honest now, because especially in the DC universe, you have the characters like, I'll never kill and I'll never do this. I think Amanda Waller's one is like, no, actually, if you don't kill the Joker, then he's going to go out and kill 10,000 more people in the next two years. And we'll be right here doing this again. Like she definitely seems to be more of the I don't worry about the code. I worry about how can I save the most amount of lives? And I think sometimes she goes the wrong way about it for sure. And definitely has a lot of evilish moments, but she just—it seems like she's turned off her, her emotional registering, so she doesn't get hurt, and she just goes about that business. And it's a very interesting way to put her in. But I think having Viola, like since we've seen an older iteration of Waller, I do think Viola could play this character for many years to come, depending on how they want to humble her too. Because I think it really is going to depend on where is she at in her you know journey within this universe when we meet up with her in this series is she at the height of oh i'm gonna do what i want to do i've got all the power the money and everything or is this the you know because i still didn't watch so you guys might have to illuminate me a little bit how was she during that new the peacemaker series and the new suicide squad like how was her characterization there she's still amanda waller okay. that's how i was
1: <laughs> you yeah. didn't see it yeah, I didn't see that. I, the most evil variant I've seen it for though is um in suits that's called Hell to Pay. Yes, where everyone's to trying pay. to get the Get Out of Hell Free card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that movie.
0: That was such a good movie, even though it kind of doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it was literally a movie they said fuck it and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, well, I love
1: the concept of Get Out of Hell Free card.
0: <laughs> no, and it's like it really worked, which is the crazy that's thing about it. It worked too. It, it does. It does. But it's really good. Like if for anybody listening, if you have not seen Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, go watch it. It's on um, Max. Used to be HBO Max. You can find it, DVD, wherever. It's a good watch. Um, So following up with that, uh, I mentioned him earlier, but staying on the D.C. train, talk about James Gunn. What are some of what are your thoughts about how he's going to handle the DC universe now, because we've seen like the castings for Superman Legacy. I would say that so far, I like Clark and Lois. I'm just still curious about why there's other heroes in this movie. Like, and I'm just going to say this right here. I love Nathan Fillion. He should not be Guy Gardner, Green Lantern. I'm sorry. He's too old. His time has passed. He, like, had this been 10, 15 years ago, he definitely could have been a good Hal Jordan. But n- no, I don't see the point of him being that character. And I don't see the point of using that Green Lantern, just being completely real. But what, do you all, what are some of you all's thoughts about how he's going to move forward with some things?
2: I mean, I think... The difference between him and even a, uh, like, you know, I enjoy, I'll, I'll make a comparison with the MCU, right? When we see what he did with Guardians and compare that, you know, to Tycho Waititi, you know, with Thor, Love and Thunder, and also Thor, uh, Ragnarok. I think that if, you know, a lot of people have their opinions on Thor 4, uh, I have my own as well. And I don't think Taika really kept the vision. I think he just is a great creative, but sometimes trying to keep that vision in a serial sense can be hard. Whereas James seems like he has hit it you know out of the park each time he has done you know at least guardians so i think it's going to be the fact that he's a big fan of a connected universe especially when he uh i think he he was the one that mentioned that he watched stuff like young justice and justice league and really loved those characterizations and i think the respect that he has even for the animated work for the universe gives me a little bit of hope um but i really think what's going to come down to is seeing that first that superman movie and seeing how he does because this is going to be his brainchild. Like he can't hide behind anything. He is in charge, you know, partially in charge of the studio and he's written this movie and did the casting and everything else. So I think it's, you know, he's got to stand on business, so to speak, with that first movie. And I think if it's done well, I think it can make sense why all these different characters are appearing. Because think back to what we saw in Justice League random characters and villains were popping in, you know, all the time because they share the world. And I'd say that's even been a complaint of the MCUs for a while is that it doesn't always feel connected because you can't always get your big name to come in for, um, you know, a big appearance or a small cameo. Whereas I think if they can keep in mind here, the type, you know, the caliber of actor, and, you know, not not trying to get somebody who's super expensive for every role, there's a great way to have that connectivity done the DC way. But I think, you know, it's really going to depend on that writing and what he, you know, is making this universe really have a theme of. Sorry if I'm a little long winded.
0: No, no, I think that was actually a, a very good response. Like it was, it was objective as well as it was realistic because you do have to look at the things he has, he has done even outside of Marvel. He is a very good director, but I'll give my thoughts in a second. I saw you come off, Andrew, go ahead.
3: Well, what I wanted to say was that I don't doubt that he can make a good movie, The thing that I'm just very skeptical about is how he's going to win back the good graces of a lot of DC fans. Because while it is a good thing that he outright laid out, you know, like what the plan is for the next couple of years in terms of movies and TVs to show that, hey, they, they do have a story of some sort mapped out that they plan on sticking to, one thing that definitely did not help was the fact that he was I he either said he would keep certain actors or like say he was open to having them still stay on but the one that he automatically just got rid of was like Henry Cavill because because even because even when we look at like the actors who uh, who WB has like still elected to like stay on, or even some of the directors saying that, I don't see anyone else playing this character, but such and such. There there are people, there are a lot of fans who are kind of iffy or or kind of divided on. that. Like, for example, he stated that he's open to having Ezra Miller return as The Flash, even though there's the controversy surrounding him, and even when you look at the controversy aside, there's some people that just don't necessarily vibe with his portrayal of Barry Allen. There are some people, especially someone on this podcast, that isn't necessarily a huge fan of Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. <laughs> 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 but he, and he stated that he's, you know, open to her returning. Same thing with Aquaman. Him saying that, you know, in a very confusing manner that, you know, Blue Beetle isn't the first DCU movie, but he's the first DCU canon character. So confusing. It you might it'd be easy to just say, yeah, that's it's canon. It, it, it really, really would have been easier to say that. So yeah. it's like you. So you have like these actors and actresses that some fans are like kind of iffy on and would wouldn't mind seeing get replaced, but like the one the one casting that almost everyone universally loved, even if they can. Even if they acknowledge that some of the movies that he was in before didn't necessarily do him justice, they still loved the casting. And that was Henry Cavill. And yet yeah. he was like the first person that he automatically was like, yeah, we're just going to go with a different take on Superman.
0: And, you and know, so it was like, that's, okay. and, it's just, and it's just
3: like that right there, like automatic, like getting rid of him like that easily, and but being so hesitant to get rid of some other actors, actresses, and, and even showing a willingness to keep them on, that already left like a bad taste in a lot of DC fans mouth. So you're going to have to do a lot to win back the good graces of fans.
0: And that's true. Uh, go ahead. Uh, Either Jeffrey, or, not Jeffrey. Uh, uh, Jeffrey, you <laughs> had some more to say. Please say it. Oh, Shut <laughs> uh, Jeffrey, Jared, or Steven?
1: I think the point about theming is really correct i think that when you try to do like a sort of extended universe kind of thing and you have a bunch of things that don't seem to fit thematically or tonally it doesn't feel like these characters are all in the same world i think this is the problem with a lot of this is one of the many problems with a lot of star wars movies is they don't seem thematically coherent that's probably because of star wars to an extent that's kind of shallow themes but that's a different point I think that that was a problem that DC had with a lot of their movies. They were tonally semi-consistent until you got, like, Justice League. But I think that would be the big problem to go to. If you look at some like Discworld, Discworld is thematically coherent, and it's tonally consistent.
0: hmm And, you know, it's... And that's something that James Gunn to have to strive to do. And, you know, it's... That consistency is something that I think is a fair thing to want that fans have asked for and are asking for. But I do think that is a double-edged sword, too, because then you just have the casuals who just have bullshit expectations. Um, But I saw Jared and Jeffrey come off the mic.
2: Oh, yeah, no, I was totally agreeing. I think, it's simply put, it's going to – I think one thing that I think James Gunn is going to have to keep in mind, and it's a fallacy that we've seen Kevin Foggy fell into, is – He can't let it get too big, but he also can't let it just be some small thing either. I think it has to be the right size, but you can't oversaturate the market or undersaturate. And I think, you know, when you have too many you know, pans on the oven, you can't really keep that thematic, you know, overtones the same. You can't really keep that vision or understand how you want to represent these different characters if you have too many things happening at once. So I think one of the other challenges is going to be he has to make sure there's a specific number of projects for each, you know, whether you want to call it a phase. You know, whatever it is, but he has to, I think, make sure it doesn't get too large so that the storylines and everything still line up. If you're going to do a connecting universe, it has to be connected and has to be consistent. So I think that would be the challenge that I see is making sure that, you know, whenever letting other people helm some of these projects, that the overall arcing vision doesn't get lost. I think that's going to be the challenge.
0: Yeah, I agree with that because it's like he has, I think, three or four phases that he talked about. I don't know. Phase one is called Gods and
2: Monsters. I so... love the names for the phases, because I was tired of that one, two, three, four shit.
3: <laughs> uh... <laughs> see, see, the thing is, it's like phase one of the MCU, that's the only phase that had its own title, and the title was Avengers Assembled. So it was like, but at the same time, you, when you look at phases two and three, it's like, sometimes I kind of wonder, how would you even title that?
0: Well, they recently titled everything one through th- one through three as the Infinity Saga, but for each individual phase, I agree they should have had names for it.
3: No, I know, I know like for like the the sagas themselves, them right, having right, right. giving the saga, the overarching sagas a name helps because the less people know like what what the overarching story is going to lead
0: to, right? I understand that, and that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Um, I will say this. I think that James Gunn as a creative mind is great in this situation. However, there are still worries and concerns that we have expressed now that I'm going to say too. One, like I said earlier, I do worry about who he's going to put around him because it's like, so far, someone that he said is doing a project has been the director of the Flash is doing the Batman Brave and the Bold project. We talked about that. We said how that is a little bit of a concern. I'm not ready to ride that. I don't want to ride that movie off. But that's just one example. It's like, okay, James, like I'm not putting this all on you, and I'm not putting it all on him. Like I'm just looking at that. Like, okay, that didn't work, but hopefully this next one does. Um, but. I personally, I just don't want James Gunn because he said this in interviews and he said this on his page. He's a huge Superman fan. Like Superman was his first hero. It was his dad's favorite hero who he had a very good connection with before he passed away. Um, They're releasing the movie on his dad's birthday in 2025. Like, and he said that, oh, everything in DC starts with Superman. But objectively, if you look at a lot of really good DC movies, Objectively, the best ones have been about Batman, real, like because, like, just being real, they have been the 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 um Christopher Nolan trilogy, the Batman, um Michael Keaton's Batman. It they have been more successful than Superman movies. I'm not saying that that's not a good idea to start it off with. It's just is his bias and his love for Superman going to really take this off, or is it just going to be something where he's just going to be like the writer of she hawk and like, well, I don't give a shit because it's mine. And it's like, okay, cool, that's yours, but it still didn't do good. So it was smart for him to put the responsibility of making the first big movie of the new start on him because he knows how he wants to do it. But is that going to get into everybody else of that passion, that drive, that appreciation, that accountability for these other projects? That's what I'm worried about. And I think that when some people, a lot of people who don't understand how him basically being the head of this works, they're going to look at this as he has creative vision over everything, which isn't going to always be true. There are some people where it's like, okay, the writer, the director, and the producers for that project, they are doing that project. I can come by and have a meeting, talk to them, cool, but ultimately they're still writing it and they're still directing it. And some people they don't. Some people may not see that James Gunn moniker or that check of approval and be like, you know what, fuck that, I'm not going to go see that. I'm not, I'm not going to go see that um, Teen Titans movie. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to go see that Justice League project because James Gunn isn't directing it. I think that's also going to be like a double-edged sword in this because people generally like him and they like his vision, especially when it comes to comic book movies, that I don't want it to hinder DC, but I can see it being a part of a problem.
1: I think the Batman movies are more popular because people are more accepting of what bat- different versions of Batman than there with Superman. People are very yes. particular with Superman. Yes, but like Batman, you can do anything from like camp to Lego to dark and gritty to literal insane person.
0: Yes, the double it's Batman even movie.
1: Even killing. People are accepting of it. With Superman, they have a very particular version of him. And that's because Superman falls in... I think Superman's too close to the archetype of what it means to- of, of, of the superhero. He doesn't have enough personality traits removed from that general idea to be his own character for people to accept things like that about him but also i think a lot of people he's quote-unquote one of the aspirational characters supposed to be a paragon and people get really particular about that sort of thing whereas batman's like no maybe this is just a crazy guy who stands out in the rain just
0: as a bat and beats the mentally ill yeah because i know that's something jeffrey and i talked about is like when you play or present these characters you have to understand how to play and present these characters because it's like just being real out of outside of truth and justice. What personality does Superman really have? It depends who's writing Bram. I think the best version of
1: Superman is the um, Superman animated series, that, uh, Bruce Timm one, Just League Unlimited, that sort of thing. Yeah, By, uh, I, I, Tim Daly, the voice. Yeah,
0: I, I agree with that. That
3: was the best version. Yeah, because like, I will. Cause I will say, like, when it comes to S- Superman, for a longest time, I I really didn't think he was that much of a. Like, I really didn't. I really never understood the hype behind him. Cause I seen, cause, be- cause, when I was younger, I seen like the older ones. I saw like Superman Returns, and I was just, it didn't really do anything for me. And ironically enough, and I know some people think that he wasn't good for DC, but when I saw Man of Steel actually made me like Superman actually care about Superman because instead of seeing someone who was just like, you know, I'm here to fight for truth, justice, and the American way, I saw a person who was just kind of trying to figure out what to do in life. And it was just like that one aspect where I was like, okay, I can, I can understand that and I can relate to that because at some point, we all go through life just trying to figure out what we're supposed to be doing. And yeah and that that's why i personally like man of steel because i felt like it actually connected it was i was able to connect with like actually like the human aspect of superman more so than i did more so than i've been able to with any other version of
1: the character. So that's and, just me personally oh
0: no and i'm like, right there with oh, you
1: oh go ahead Sam. Yeah, I actually don't like Superman as a character. And it's because I don't think the Paragons or Aspiration characters are that well-written. I actually think the MCU Guys in America is one of the best versions of a Paragon done because um, one, it shows that doing the right thing or what you believe the right thing is consistently like a struggle. And two, people, people specifically Iron Man, always challenge them like, okay, but like, what if you're wrong about this? You're helping this international terrorist do things because you are friends with them once? Does that sound like it's moral to you? And he's like, no, it's, it's moral. I, 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 gotta, I gotta do it. And it's like, Okay, but are you sure though? And he, gets the, he, he suffers consequences for it. But the narrative still kind of presents him is he's right. And at the end of the day, he is right about Bucky being still in there because he's mind controlled. And you understand what he's coming from. It's a struggle for him to consistently do good. It's not ever, in my opinion, a struggle for Superman to do good. It's like a, maybe you shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. Man of Steel kind of touches on that a little bit, but I don't think it does a good job of it.
0: I would say that I did like the part in Man of Steel where he has to kill Zod because that was the realization for like when Aaron talking about trying to figure it out that sometimes doing the right thing means doing something that drastic and we don't really see Superman do something that drastic until it's injustice like everybody, well damn near everybody loves the injustice version of Superman because now he kills people, his moral compass is off and it becomes a whole thing of like, oh, that's what we want to see. That's what we want to get because people are tired of the Boy Scout. That's what it is.
1: You actually know what the best version of Superman is, in my opinion? What? Uh, Superman versus the Elite by uh, Alan Moore. you I'm read that go, one?
0: I will go look into that. I'm not too, too I familiar have, with I've, that.
1: I've heard it. it was, it's pretty good. Yeah, someone um That one challenges. Why doesn't Superman kill people? And I think that's a, it makes a really compelling point as to why he doesn't. I think Alan Moore is a really good writer, even though he's like a crazy guy, apparently. Oh, wow. (laughs) Isn't he he the same dude that wrote Watchmen? Yes.
0: Mm. Oh, yeah. Watchmen animated movie coming out next year. Can't wait for that.
1: Mm, Alamo will probably hate it. (laughs) Yeah. This is
3: one thing I've noticed. It Regardless as to how fans might feel about it, whether it was the Zack Snyder movie, the HBO series, he just does not like works of his being adapted at all. There
1: is one exception, actually. And it's an episode of Justice League. I think it's Unlimited, where uh, the man for the man who has everything with the plant. That's mm-hmm. an adaptation of an Alan Moore comic. And he actually liked it. And he let them put his name on the credits. It's the only one.
3: Wow. Mm. Whoever whoever was in charge of writing and, and producing that episode probably will probably flaunt that to all DC
0: writers right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fine. Um, I like Alan Moore as a writer a lot. Jeffrey, did you have anything to say before we transition to Marvel? Or you or Jared?
4: Uh, Jared, had, did you have to work with? It? No, not really. I mean, I, I as far as you know, DC. I think we've been talking about like with the animated series. Like as far as Superman was concerned, I feel like that was probably the best portrayal before I'd say Man and still, that we got to being able to what, relate. Yeah, well, he hell even Superman the animated series. Oh like, yeah, like building him up from that point to where he became in Justice League Unlimited. Like you can oh, say that there was true. a character growth that. Like, while it wasn't his story necessarily, like he definitely grew from some, some from the events that happened within them. Like, Justice League is a series kind of is that from the regulars from the first season to the second. So,
2: I mean, I'm yeah.
4: oh, sorry. Oh, no, you're for good. Go ahead. Speaking of Justice League,
1: uh, they actually do the Captain America Iron Man thing with the question where someone's like, okay, but like you have all this power. I don't think you're doing the right thing. They have the counter argument. And I think that's one of the things that's a lot of the time missing from paragons is the moral struggle. Mm-hmm. Like they're right but the world thinks they're wrong question
0: mm-hmm.
1: well, my favorite character in that show
0: oh the question? I can see him yeah. being your favorite character Steven <laughs> I love him
1: so much <laughs> it,
0: it's crazy because it's like I know he mentioned that people think that he suffers from I forgot what the technical term is but it's like how you see patterns and everything oh um they, they, it, uh, I'm trying to think which character mentions that but um what is it? I think it Apophenia. was Huntress yeah, I, I think it was Huntress who mentioned it I think, so. I think it's Apophenia Yes, it's how you see patterns and everything, but really uh, tendency
1: to con- see connections where there are none.
0: But he'd be right sometimes. I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: well, one, I will singular, s- one conspiracy, best character. Oh god. I will yeah,
0: sing. Yeah. Oh was saying,
1: double date.
0: <laughs> the double date? Oh dear god.
1: Yeah, with um Hem and Huntress and then um what is it? Uh, Green Arrow. Or and, and Black, Black and, Ho- and Um Black
0: Canary. And she just wants to kill that one mobster. <laughs> Yes. Great episode. But I will yeah. say real quick before we transition tomorrow uh, to Marvel, Jeffrey, Grant Gustin and Justice League's Unlimited's Flash are what the Flash we need to see in live action. Witty, funny, yeah, cool. good heart, but it's like but with we, they we your brother Marks, <laughs> like that's the Flash. That's the glue of the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the fuck Ezra Miller's Flash was. He was basically yeah, yeah. He was just there.
2: All I'm saying, the thing, the reason why I always am like, you know, really on it about Grant Gustin's Flash is that the way he portrayed that character, even through the series, even through, you know, when the writing got rough or whatever, he always gave the vibe of, I have a good heart. I'm just trying to live my life. I want to help people, but at the same time, I'm just a man, but also got some charm and some, you know, comedic shot, you know, I'm having my funny moments. And I think that he really gave a balanced approach to Flash that still showed those traits that. We really like to see of the, you know, little things like, dang, I really am root for him. Even if, you know, shit is going rough, like I really want to see him succeed. And I think that is also what I even saw from Justice League's flash that I really enjoyed was that connection with him. where I'm like, man, I he got a lot to say, but he also really understands the people. Like even when I forget what episode it was where you see how he truly understands even the villains that he catches. And I'm like, that's such a Barry Allen thing to do and to be you know as a hero and for me it's just that's the difference between him and even some of the others is that barry being from earth it just happened you know depending on the comic you read you know that just happened to get the speed force and stuff i think he has a perspective that sometimes the other heroes don't always bring into it and at the same time i think that he has a perspective that i wish more superman iterations would bring to it you know what i'm saying because sometimes it just they always write superman as I'm the golden boy, and I, you know, I'm just a good guy, and I'm going to do this, but I want to see him struggle just with human choices and with it, you know, things within himself. I don't want it to always just seem like, oh, yes, I know what's right because I'm me, and I'm Superman. Like, ah, we've seen that. Like, get a rest.
0: Exactly, and it's like, well, real quick thing, too, it's like, I think, I don't know if you're talking about this episode, but the one episode I recently watched was the Christmas episode where he was trying to just get a toy for these kids. It got destroyed in a fight, and the guy, he, the criminal, he's like, I'm still going to turn you in, but can you help me fix these toys? It's for the kids. Like, and you're someone who values knowledge. Don't you think that you wouldn't want to give kids the value of knowledge for Christmas? Basically convinced him. He fixed the toys, still sent him to jail. He still got the bad guy Christmas present too. That's the flash.
2: That's it that i mean straight up it's it's somebody that you see that just has i think that's the other piece that grant gustin brings that whoever plays the flash has to have the ezra didn't you have to have that almost like contagious like you know personality you have to have somewhere it's like man even if i'm in a bad funk like i could really see myself you know getting out of it with talking to this dude this is just somebody that i could really not even just look up to but just someone who i'm like wow i want to aspire to be that type of like person i think that that's what's been missing and i think that's what they really would have to do with the next flash
3: yeah. like some of that just
2: has that infected infectious positive vibe mm-hmm.
0: and, and and the thing is too is like his positivity is cues is is confused for um being naive exactly when it's when it's really not because he does have a child like nature but it's not um not activity. it's we can really call it just being hopeful it's but playfulness too It is. It's very much because, like, he's always cracking a joke. He's like, no matter how dangerous the situation is, he's going to be funny. That's who he is.
2: Think of it like this for someone who moves at super speed it don't always everything doesn't seem that serious because it feels like they have time like so yes he's going to have a part of himself that even when he's wrong and doesn't get something like he's going to feel like okay well as much as they're freaking out i'm literally moving at the speed of sound you know or or faster and it's like there's time we can figure it out i i can go into flash time and do this or that so there would be almost this false naivete that people would see from him that's more so a no i actually am a very powerful person that can go backwards and forwards in time so yeah we we can take it easy let's let's have a good time exactly
0: but before i move on to Marvel, i want to give another shout out to my sponsors both childlike clothing and katana creations go check them both out both amazing clothing brand stores for childlike clothing you go get all your stuff that i've been preaching about for over the past two years now from your hats your shirts your um, sweatsuits your track suits your hoodies all of it. Go get it. And then for my new sponsor, Katana Creations, go get you some cool and border anime gear, Marvel, DC, whatever you want. Just DM him at Instagram at Katana underscore creations with a K. Hit him up, work the price out, and he'll have you look and fly. That's Child Clothing, C-H-A-L-E Clothing, and Katana Creations, Katana underscore creations with a K. Alright, so now we're going to talk about Marvel for a little bit. Um, same thing from the last part of the conversation. What's some upcoming Marvel stuff you all are excited for? And what's
2: some stuff that you're concerned about or have questions for? I mean, for concerns, I just... My only concern is simply put, where, where, what are we doing? Where are we going? I think that... I hate to jump in so soon.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's just <laughs>
2: like, to get straight to it, it's just like... I there's some nice stuff obviously always down the pipe but it's just with the jonathan major stuff being uncertain with every other thing they're not really delving into as much as i would think they would like where's the precision and i hope it pops in soon
0: i think that not disagreeing with you because oh my god jeffrey's terrible jared get him um (laughs) (laughs) i think that for me it's okay that I don't know where we're going just yet because it is the multiverse saga. It's going to be a bunch of different things. We're introducing a whole bunch of new people. I'm not going to disagree with the point of, like, okay, it's cool that we are driving in a nice car, but where are we going? We're we going to McDonald's? We're we going to Chick fil A? Like, I, I, I think that that's fair to ask is where are we going? Mm-hmm. However, it's like understanding that this will be a complex storyline, so there is no definitive answer, I think it's perfectly fine. However, I'm not going to disagree if you wanted to understand, have a little bit more clarity of where we're going.
3: I've also noticed like when people ask that question that with regards to like, where's everything going? I think the reason why so many people just don't understand like what, like what everything is leading to is because the structure of the phases in the multiverse saga is very different than the structure of the phases in the Infinity Saga. With the Infinity Saga, there were a couple movies and then an Avengers film. So we so the fans knew that whatever these mo- whatever movies we're getting, eventually is going to lead to an Avengers movie. But with the the way that the Multiverse Saga is set up, it's not set up that way. The, each phase isn't capped off by an Avengers film. And we're not getting more Avengers film until Phase 6. So I think that's part of the reason why people are just kind of wondering, where is everything going? Because it doesn't have the same structure as the Infinity Saga. But I also think it's okay that it doesn't have the same structure, because instead of just trying to do like a rinse and repeat of before, they're trying to do something different so that this saga stands out, as opposed to just being like, and an, another inf- another Infinity Saga, except with Infinity Stones, is the multiverse.
2: <laughs> uh, Steven and Jared. Jared had to take the dogs. So he ain't here right now. Oh, okay, okay.
1: okay. I saw a video that said uh, that Marvel should have done with uh Was it Thor: Love and Thunder? Gore wasn't really done justice, which I agree with. And I think that they think that he should have been either the big bad, or he should have led to Zeus being the big bad because of what he was doing to the gods. And they should have planned things around that. And that's one take on things. But I feel like the, the question of where we go on makes it feel like they don't know either. And it's not a good feeling. It's not a good situation to be in.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, oh, go ahead. The the, cal- the caliber of the writing too is more of my thing because just like you're saying, it's not even that this space is bad. So maybe I shouldn't say where are we going, you know, in the like traditional sense. But I mean, more so, it's just there's not been until Secret Invasion, I'd say, I haven't really felt depth within some of the writing in a while. And I think, and I don't know if it's just because we are focusing on certain things that since, you know, we don't know the direction they're heading that they have to stick to a certain path or if there's a reason behind. It. But I think even stuff with like Love and Thunder there are so many ways you could have made that with the same actors with the same, you know, stuff, but just changing up a few things, you could have made it tighter. And I think that's kind of what I'm more thinking of is that it just seems less, you know, I I think it goes back to what I was saying about DC. It seems like now that we've grown so big, I'm just curious, you know, just, and this is just a curiosity from sitting back and watching, but I'm curious about how much is on purpose and how much is, Oh, we got to get a new property out. And, you know, we're being told we got to do this. Like, let's throw it out there. Like, that's my curiosity about it, but I'm not sure. We'll see.
0: And I think it's fair to ask these questions because we're asking questions and we're not just thinking that everything's trash, like a bunch of people online are. With me, when it's like, when we come to, what's coming up and what we're looking forward to um then we kind of flip topics um, because <laughs> because that was like my thought to this but we can get back we can get back to that so we can oh, say, no, we
2: can jump into that too because i already know what i'm looking forward to you know i don't hate marvel anything right now
0: oh yeah of course of course i right, well, shit we can just flip back to that in a second but yeah. where we are right now with the conversation i think asking where we are will still be fair i think wanting to understand like you said the depth I think it's fair for certain projects like Secret Invasion right now. It is fair for that show to have depth. It is going to tackle on something that's bigger and I'm not gonna do like a spoiler or anything for this episode, but if you haven't watched the Invasions, please do it because that show dropped bigger thing, a bigger thing that's coming, and a lot more things that are coming in the foreseeable future that will tie into the movie as well as Armored Wars, which is probably gonna tie into like a few more projects as well, like the Marvels coming out in a few months. I think that where Marvel is going they do have to understand okay we are juggling a lot more than just three four movies a year we have three four movies a year plus two three four shows a year so yes we do have to make sure that the planning is precise that we know what we're doing we're devoting our time and our energy to and I think that that is professional and that is fair for people to want Marvel to do correctly but this is my other thing too I think that what bleeds into this, not from you all here tonight. I think that what this bleeds into from a bunch of people is expectations. Not everything is going to be Endgame. Not everything is going to be Infinity War. Not everything is going to be Black Panther. Not everything is going to be Civil War, Winter Soldier, um, the first Iron Man movie. Um, uh, it's and it's and that's fine. I think that we're just at a point right now where we're opening chapters and we're closing chapters. Like Hawkeye, was it the best Disney Plus Marvel show? Absolutely not. It was decent. I would recommend, like, if someone didn't watch that show weekly, that's cool. You can watch someone hit and get knocked out. However, we're closing a chapter on somebody, and we're opening it up on somebody else. Same thing with um with uh um Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're closing the chapter on Steve Rogers. We're closing the chapter on the Winter Soldier, but we're opening up for Sam as Captain America, Bucky, who whoever the hell he's gonna want to be, more likely just Bucky Barnes, um. I'll mention some more of that later when we talk about projects coming up. And and um, even like the side character who was working with um, Falcon in the show is going to be the new Falcon, like he is in the comic books. So we're opening and closing some things with phase four and somewhat of phase five before we get to the bigger stuff. And I think that sometimes that's okay. Like I loved Chris Hensworth's Captain America. I really liked Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. It's over. And that's cool. And I think that some people are Chris so. Evans. Chris, oh, thank you. Chris Evans, yeah. my bad. Um, I was thinking. Uh, <laughs> thank you too more. much. Yes. <laughs> Chris Hensworth was great as Thor. Chris Evans was great as Captain America. Well, Chris well, Chris Hensworth is still here. He's, he's confirmed for the Avengers movie as well. But a lot of the fan favorites, they ain't here no more. And that's fine because that's how stories go. And I think that that is what some people would use as an argument for like Jeffrey and Steven's fair concerns. They'll use what I'm saying to mean, oh, we're concerned. No, you're just calling everything shit because you don't have your favorite toy to play with anymore. That's
2: all it is. <laughs> that's that's seriously. Tell them boys also, in. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> also,
3: I also, also have to add something. People, something that also annoys me when people overly criticize Phase 4 and 5 they act as if everything from phase 1 through 3 was certified gold yep. and we are and we know it wasn't now iron man 1 great movie second mcu movie incredible haul to this day that's still the lowest grossing mcu movie and that and they had no pandemic that affected this box off. it is what it is after that iron man 2 it was it was i right. yep. then we had then we had a uh, Captain America the First Avenger. It was good. Then we had Thor. Again, it was good. Wasn't great. Wasn't terrible. It was good. Then we had the Avengers. Great movie. So, really Phase 1 had about three good to great movies. Like, I'll I'll give you that. Iron Man, Captain America the First Avenger, and the Avengers. I would say that were like the best three of Phase 1. Then you get to Phase 2. Iron Man 3. Very divisive. To this day, people still hate that Mandarin twist. Yep. Then you get Thor The Dark World, which is still the worst Thor movie. I know some people try to say Love and Thunder is worse, and they try to act as if, oh, in comparison, Thor The Dark World isn't actually that bad. I wish they kept the, the serious tone. No, the, the tone wasn't working. It was, People didn't care about Thor. And Chris Wend- Hemsworth
0: have hated that version of Thor.
3: Exactly. They didn't care about that version of Thor until they didn't care about Thor as a character until Taika Waititi did what he did in Thor Ragnarok. So, yeah, let's get that out. Let's get that out in the air. So there was Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, and then they rebounded heavily with The Winter Soldier. Then they had Guardians. Then they had Age of Ultron. Not a bad movie, but people were still kind of iffy on how on certain certain plot elements like the Bruce and Natasha romance, yeah, they could have done without that. Uh Ultron being a one and done villain, yeah, that was definitely a misstep. Yep. Then then there was Ant-Man, then phase three. Phase three was the one that had the heavy hitters. You had Civil War, it had Spider-Man Homecoming, it had Black Panther, it had Guardians 2, and of course it had Infinity War and Endgame. But they also had movies like Ant Man and the Wasp, where it was like it was a decent sequel, but nothing, nothing to write home about. And they also had Captain Marvel, which was just like kind of
0: like, eh. The writing needed to be so much better for that. But I have faith for the second movie. I really do. Yeah,
3: I I have faith for that, especially considering that I don't know if any of y'all have seen the twenty twenty one. Candyman movie but the woman who directed that she's directing the Marvel so I do have Ooh. some faith in that.
0: Okay good good <clears throat> Did anybody else have anything to say because I was going to like say something else Well if not I would say also the biggest takeaway I think from this part of the conversation is that it is fair to want better for a product that you're invested in not going to disagree with that, but if you're going to automatically write off everything because you think it won't be as good as what you liked before, then we have a different conversation at hand. Um, not again, not the people up here on the panel tonight, more so the people, some people listening, some people who share this, with other people listen. If you're going to hold the fact that some of these newer projects weren't as good or compare to something else comparison is the thief of joy either watch the damn project for what it is and give a fair assessment or don't watch it at all i can't fucking stand like whether this is anime marvel dc whatever people who don't give shit a chance and always just want to call it ass like but did you watch it did you think about it did you talk about it? like same thing like because no jared's the biggest one piece fan all here i think i personally don't like i've grown to not like the argument that it's too long realistically when it comes to like Marvel and DC, people always compare, like we were talking about Thor. People talk, oh, Thor and in Infinity Wars, Peak Thor. I literally can tell you every line he said right now in the movie, and it wasn't even five minutes of everything he said. He just did fight scenes. But that's fucking peak Thor. Get out of here with that shit. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Like I know this. I, some... I think Infinity War is Peak Thor really bro no it's not it was Pete yeah. Thor he this these are literally his lines Stephen who the hell are you guys I have to go um forge this forge this weapon on men What? veneer
1: he had so much emotionally going on his family had died and he was really depressed and you could tell that he needed to do this thing to redeem himself and he failed and he had to live with that
0: okay so we want another sad depressed Thor movie we kind of had was, we kind of said- had that already. Infinity War with peak Thor it was not... It was yeah. Thor action-wise, but, like, really, what did he... Okay, he conveyed to you sadness and loss. We got the same thing from Spider-Man in No Way Home. We got the same thing from um T'Challa and partially in Civil War and really in Black Panther. We got that from Shuri in Wakanda Forever. Like, grief and loss is a theme that we're always going to see played again, again, again and, again, and again, and again in any form of, like, Marvel DC or anime, but that doesn't make the character fantastic. Like, cool. Thor's I think
1: it's to, the way that he... He did it, like the way that it was written. Cause um, what he this is, this is something you see. Oh, you because you're a psychologist, you should know this. But it's the way he processes it where he gets really hyper focused on just getting this one thing, and then he fails because he kind of indulges on being sadistic at the end towards Thanos, and it's like you should have gone for it, really should have it. fucking like, you should have gone for the headline? and he was, Oh, I really fucked up, huh?
0: And that, and that's cool, and that's great. However, a whole two plus hour movie about that. We're just gonna have Thor the Dark World again.
1: I'm not saying every version every Thor needs to be that, but I think that's the bestest character has been in the MCU.
0: Okay, what I'm talking about is people. People are universe universally saying what you're talking about should be a whole two hour and two and a half hour movie. I don't know if that would work now.
3: Uh, people, I mean, need to, people need to understand that pain and suffering does not equate to a good movie. They really need to understand that and. and to go back to when you brought up the idea of grief and loss this is somewhat related to like this is related to Marvel but I just want to say this Wakanda Forever does a better job with having a character explore grief and loss much better than WandaVision in my opinion
0: I agree because you you also don't
3: have a whole whole lot of fans that are just trying to absolve the, the main character of accountability Andrew, where'd you
1: come from? I missed it.
3: No, I, I said that Wakanda Forever does a much better job at portraying a character going through grief and loss, much better than Wandavision, and also and part of it is oh, okay. in due part to the fact that the character is does not try to get absolved from
1: accountability from their actions. I'd actually agree with that. I thought you said Watchmen at first, and I was so confused. Oh, oh no, 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 no! Wow.
0: <laughs> well we only got about 10 minutes left for jeffrey on the show so i want to go right next to um real quick i want to get his thoughts on his one topic that's still on marvel and so jeffrey what future projects are you excited about
2: i just want to see what we're doing for x-men baby uh <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. that's where you got me like that's where i'm next in, invested in seeing who the casting is like that's that's my interest, like, because I've loved X Men since, like, even though I know a lot of people, my cousin included, love the nineties X Men series. The series that got me into it was X Men Evolution. Yeah, so for like, that aspect of all these different uh, characters where they have powers but they're still learning, but you have all these intersecting like characters. It's like its own universe within the MCU, and I'm so excited to see how they do it. I agree. X Men Evolution was dope. I oh. love. It. That uh-huh. should be their. That should actually be their blueprint for what they write for X Men. I would love to see yeah, that type not, of like a younger character. Because I, because one thing I, because
3: I remember in X Men Evolution they had like the plot point where, like there was at one point in the se- in the series where there was there was at like this football game or pep rally or something, and at that at, at that pep rally they had, like the X Men they had they used their powers to save people, but in the process they exposed you know. Mutants to the people that were there. and Professor X, he uses powers to just kind of wipe that from people's minds. And with that, I just think that would be a great way to kind of integrate the X-Men into the into the MCU by basically this whole notion that they've always been there. but Professor X has been using his powers mm-hmm. to just kind of keep their existence hidden. but, but, it will, but then it will take some crazy event like what happened in x-men evolution with the sentinel to where he can't necessarily keep that hidden from everyone's psyche
0: you know uh uh, i don't want to take away from Jeffrey's time but i'll talk about a little more i heard an interesting theory about introducing the x-men into the mcu and i don't hate it i don't love it i just think it's interesting Mm -hmm. but uh so basically someone wrote a piece about how people always wanted the x-men versus the avengers live action so the person who wrote the idea was that the Professor X who was killed in Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness, we should pick up there with the X-Men finding him and wanting to know who did this. And they find out, oh, it was Wanda. like, And when they find out it was Wanda, they find out, oh, she's part of this team called the Avengers. Oh, word. Let's go say what's up. And that way, we can get an Avengers versus X Men movie to kick off their big reveal as a team, not just individuals. I, I think it's interesting. I'm not saying it's a great idea. It's just like something to think about.
2: I think there are two I, potential like things that I've thought about with it where they could bring it in, right? Because one thing is, I think that where we're headed right now, especially with all these characters are getting their send off. I think that if we keep within the same MCU. I think the focus is going to shift away from the Avengers as the centralized, like this is where we have to stick around to and might go to other, you know, heroes that are actually going to have to defend and do things because the sun is really setting on the original Avengers team. So for me, it could be a thing of, okay, now we're going to focus on the X-Men because they're going to be the Earth's heroes alongside i've seen people like obviously spider-man and you know hawkeye and some others but like now we can really say okay the heroes who actually can do that galactic type you know fighting they're actually out doing that so earth is not their primary responsibility because they know i.e the x-men are here and other heroes that can handle it so for me it would be interesting to see that baton pass or and this is just a side thing i think that james gunn actually has a great idea with having elseworld films like he's doing with dc so i also think that the x-men's universe is so freaking huge. They could have their own, you know, movie universe that they really wanted to just because of the amount of characters they have, because the X-Men, like the amount of characters in X-Men, it seems like that really spawned off from that. There is a huge amount of storylines they can pull from, like not even having to touch all the different MCU characters. So for me, it's really a curiosity of how do you do the X-Men justice While still, you know, having your MCU and trying to have it connected, or is this, you know, Infinity Saga or not Infinity Saga? Is this multiverse saga going to end with us being done with all these different universes, and we'll finally get one line? Like, how how are they going to do that? So that's my curiosity.
3: Well, I mean, well, I mean, Secret Wars is literally uh, relating to the destruction of other universes because. Mm -hmm. And like the, not like the older Secret Wars, but like the more recent, like the 2015, 2016, there was, you know, with the main Marvel Universe and the Ultimate Marvel Universe. And the Ultimate Marvel Universe got destroyed and there were some characters from that universe that carried over into the main Marvel Universe, like Miles Morales, for example.
0: Hmm. I always yeah. thought they
1: would go with the um, Ultimate Universe version of the X-Men, where people start developing the X-Gene and they just go from there
0: that would be like, interesting. It activates it yeah and it, that seems like kind of a little bit what they did in ms marvel so that could
2: be i'm mm-hmm. curious about yeah and that, 11, and that x and magneto without that historical aspect to them though
0: that's true yeah. um real quick i know angela you were speaking but before jeffrey goes because he's got about like five minutes left um Jeffrey, what's going What are your thoughts on the writer strike, especially how it pertains to the stuff we're talking about today?
2: I think, number one, give people what they're worth. If you're going to give residuals to all these other types of people that do work on sets, be fair and do the same thing for your writers. And at the same time, I think that you can really like look at how much writers are really in charge of things with our entertainment. Like, you have to want to invest in your writers, simply put, because you want a better product. You want to make sure your writers feel comfortable and they're not just having to spit out script after script and they're actually feeling like they're compensated because, in my opinion, you know, for anyone that works in the arts, if someone's happy with, you know, how things are going in relative terms to, like, what they're making and just how things are going for their lives, they're going to put out a better product versus if I'm stressed out and fighting you to get all this money. You know, from what I hear, it just seems that Netflix is the one sticking point with negotiations where they just because streaming is different than network television that's where they're trying to kind of deviate from what they're trying to give the writers but all in all i think the writers have a right to get what they're owed
0: um i'm not going to disagree with what you said i just heard different things not just opinions but actual facts and the matter and it's going to be tough especially with residuals because res- residuals now don't come from like let's say like back like 20 15 years ago um it's easy for like let's say Jaleel White to get residuals from family matters it would be mm-hmm. a it would be a because it's just through a network because oh it's going to be on Nick at Night it's going to be on BET TV1 cool but those things aren't coming off there like next week, how Netflix can do it. Like, like, for example, like that seventy show that was on Netflix for a while. People loved it. Then it was gone. Now, uh, last year, it got picked up by Peacock. So it, it left Netflix in like 2017 and then it got picked up in 2022. So that's five years worth of money. Technically, like, let's say Ashton Kutcher could get. That's gone now. It's not as like concrete as it was when the show was on Comedy Central every afternoon at between like three and four o'clock.
2: They've got to change their structure of their contracts for sure. I think streaming and just the new age we're going into, there's got to be a way that they can work together to make it feasible for the network to even have the money to pay them. But at the same time for there to be a, you know, living wage for the writers to get, because I get exactly what you mean. Like, if you do start doing that and do it the wrong way and just go by residuals by the regular standard... That, you know, net companies like Netflix might start shelving shows just because they don't want to pay those residuals out. So it's there's ways companies can still be, you know, very much money invested uh, by the way they do things. So I do think definitely related to what you're talking about. Like, I feel like a new structure of how to compensate for streaming has got to be thought of. And I'm just not sure who would even, you know, really be the one to think about that.
0: Yeah. It's all... It's all gonna be something, but we're yeah. gonna come back to that topic later. Thank you, Jeffrey, for joining in tonight. No I appreciate problem. it. Yes. No bro. I know you got to get dinner ready. Um Amen. I would love to come. I, I would love to come by, but I can't. I gotta go to work
2: tomorrow.
0: <laughs> 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 but I hit you up, uh, see what you're doing this weekend. But thank you for joining us again. Everybody, thank thank Jeffrey for coming. Uh we appreciate his time.
2: Sounds good, guys. Thank you so much.
0: No problem. Bye, Jeffrey. Bye y'all. Yeah.
2: Be- Ah, all right, fellas. So
0: what Marvel projects are we excited for versus what are we a little bit concerned about?
1: Oh, you brought oh, you this up way earlier. and I just remembered it. I want to talk about the legacy characters. And you know how I feel about legacy characters? Yes. I want to say legacy characters. I mean a character who takes up the mantle of another character. I think in a lot of ways, the way they write them is really disrespectful to the character itself. Where they just because what they want to do is they want to kill off a character and have the shock value, but they also want to keep the brand around, and it kind of turns them into that. And it's not written in a way that has respect for the character, where you would have them like contrast. You treat them like a person instead of a brand, right? Like I, I know this happens in comics, and I don't like it there either. Falcon becomes Captain America. I don't think that's necessary. I don't like that. Oh. I don't understand why that's a job as opposed to him being a character. It's not, it's not like Green Lantern, where that's a position. Captain yeah. America is a person, not a job.
0: You know, it's interesting you said that because one of the guys who was on his show, uh, show last time, Kukola, he thinks that the mantle pass into, like, black characters is basically along the lines of white supremacy. And I disagree with him about Green Lantern because I was telling him it's a position. It's not like how Jordan gave him the ring. It was like, nigga, you it. It was like, no. <laughs> like, the ring's <laughs> the rings select people versus it's like, Bruce Wayne can look at Damien and be like, all right, you Batman. Like, you can't do that with a lantern ring, um, for example. But, so you're not excited, I'm, let me get this clear. You're not excited for any legacy characters showing up, like Ironheart, for example, or- no,
1: um, I, I'm talking about Riri Williams, because I don't think she ever had, has had good writers for her. Miles Morales used to be the same way really early on, but then he got better writers and people started to love his character. It's not the Kegger's fault. It's always the writers. There aren't bad Kegger's. They're just bad writers. And the thing with Reel Williams is she's not written to be like a thoughtful foil to Tony Stark. So there's no real... Dr. Doom is a better Iron Man than she is because he's written to be a thoughtful, infamous Iron Man. He's written to be a thoughtful foil to Tony Stark. But she's not. She's just kind of there. It's like, oh yeah, black, younger, female, Tony Stark, whatever. And there's there's, not like there's any thought put into it. I don't understand why she needs to even be associated with Iron Man
0: other than just the branding so that's a project you're not excited for that's coming out is Ironheart. okay i'm not no <laughs> okay okay uh so what's something you are looking forward to
1: oh man is there anything to look forward to in life anymore oh
0: god wow jesus i can think, about, is, I, I can think about at least one no, i'm saying you're getting
1: paid <laughs> this isn't a new one but um i haven't read it yet so i'm excited for it i think it's spider-man fake red which is a version of a legacy character but done thematically differently it's a commentary on kind of like the idea of heroism i told you about this it's the manga
0: mm-hmm. spider-man interesting i remember you knew telling me about that but that is dope yeah um, <clears throat> uh andrew i'm gonna let you go last i'm gonna go ahead and get mine out the way um Something that I'm looking forward to from Marvel is definitely the Thunderbolts. I think that that's going to be a very interesting project. Um, Not saying I'm not looking forward to, like, Captain America Brave New World or the other stuff coming out, Uh, Blade especially. Um, I can't wait for Blade. But it's just something about the Thunderbolts. It gives me that Guardians of the Galaxy feel where it's like people are going to be like, oh, okay. And then we're going to go see it, and we're going to love it. That's how I feel about that project. Um, something that I'm worried about or not looking forward to... Okay, not really looking forward to... I'm not really looking forward to the Echo series, but I'm still going to watch it just for <laughs> laying the more the groundwork for like more street-level heroes, which they're getting back into now. But something that I'm skeptical about is the Fantastic Four. Because... We really have to structure that team correctly. Like I like the Fantastic Four movies with Chris Evans, Jessica Alba, and and everybody. I'm blanking on the dude who played Re Richards and things name, but it's okay. Um, I like those movies. Were they successful? Not really. Same thing with like. The, the one in the 90s and I think the one in the 60s. Um, even the Fantastic Four cartoon that was on like Nick um Teen Nick um in like 2012, 2013 didn't do so great either. So I'm concerned about it because when the news came out that Fantastic Four is coming, everybody erupted. But then it's just like, oh, even the Fantastic Four movie was like Michael B. Jordan was terrible. It's like I'm excited because I love this team, but I'm skeptical because an adaptation of them really hasn't been that successful. For the most part, anybody can go. No, I would I would agree with that. It's and
3: I do know like when it came to like the twenty fifteen Fantastic Four movie, one thing that definitely did not help was the studio studio interference. Like that definitely didn't help because I remember prior to the movie coming out, there were. Like the director said that there were going to be certain elements that were going to be featured in the movie that never made it in. There were certain things that were changed, like uh, Tim Blake Nelson's character in that movie. Like hmm. in the movie, his name was uh, Henry Allen, but in the but in the um, I had no Harvey Allen, but in the but originally he was, his his character was Harvey Elder, which in the Fantastic Four realm, he's he's a person who ends up becoming the Mole Man. Mm. They also said that Doom bots were going to appear in the movie. That never happened. And, been, and I won't forget, the. I think it was like what a week prior to the movie coming out, the director had tweeted but then deleted him. He said, like, a year ago I had a great movie, but now that's not the case. It's like something along those lines. So but that movie, it was very much clear that there was so many, uh, there was a lot of studio interference that occurred that prevented that movie from being potentially great.
0: Because yeah. I, also,
3: I also remember there was at one point where it was stated that that movie was going to share continuity with the X-Men movie. And considering that that movie was coming out after Days of Future Past, it definitely could have been plausible for the Fantastic Four to be in that same universe. But then, of course, there was a change. The producers said, "Now nah, we're not going to do that. And so if they can get, like, a like good writers, good director, and just the studio just not necessarily taking a full-on, hands-off approach, but just not, like, commandeering the wheel. Because you don't want to go full hands-off. You do that, you'll end up with another she-hole.
0: No, and I I agree, because it's like, some of the stuff I heard about the movie, the main thing is that the movie is going to not take place on Earth, and it's going to take place in the 1960s, because that's why we haven't seen them or heard of them, because, you know, the Fantastic Four are arguably the most popular super family or the superheroes in New York, so that basically they've been fighting Molecule Man because I think that's the villain for the movie. It's going to be Molecule Man because it will make sense if we're doing a Secret Wars movie um, because he is a part of that storyline with Dr. Doom. Um, So they even, but they clearly said Dr. Doom is not the villain for the movie. Like he's not. Um, So it's stuff to it. I'm just concerned about, but I'm just going to wait. I was going to be patient.
1: The thing I think is weird about the Fantastic Four adaptations, the past ones, is they almost always go for Dr. Doom being the villain antagonist. And they always seem to miss the point of his character, even though I think it's kind of simple, which is that he's just a narcissist. That is his personality.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's him.
1: They also... And,
3: and when they miss the mark, they also forget that uh, his power set... Like, he's a sorcerer. Yeah. Like, he, like he, he's not just Electro in a metal... He's not just Electro in a metal suit.
0: And you know what's also cool with that, too, is I want to see Latveria, because Dr. Doom is actually a very good leader. Like, his country has no crime, no poverty. It's just all good. Like, the people love him there, because he provides what they need, and they give him what he needs, which is control.
3: I, I've so. always I've always said that a great way they, the MCU could <clears throat> introduce Latveria is that because... Zemo had already said that Sokovia was a failed state before the Avengers blew it to hell. So if Sokovia is already in a poor state, a dictator could come over, take control of that, and
1: rename it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's a
1: good
0: idea. I think that's a good idea because Dr. Doom is a dictator. (laughs) I don't think
1: that Latveria is a good
0: country. I think Latveria
1: is borderline North Korea.
0: No, it it is borderline North Korea, but from the perspective of the inside out, it's a good country. Like like I said, they no crime, no famine, um, no no war. Like it's perfectly ran for him and for the people. But on the inside, I was like, yo, this shit is terrible.
3: But <laughs> yeah, yeah, because on the outside, people would be like, this ain't right. They don't allow superhumans in their country. But then you go in their country, it's like,
0: damn, it's peaceful over here. No, seriously, like, you can legit leave your door wide open at night type shit over there. But people see the outside, and it's like Victor Von Doom is a menace. He's a menace. Yeah, he is. But they don't got no crime. <laughs>
1: the punishment for all crimes is probably death.
0: Oh, it's all death. It's all death. <laughs> it's it's no it's no jail in Latveria. <laughs> Jesus. <Jeez. laughs>
3: so, so in other words, Latveria is the
1: society that light Yagami would want
0: yes absolutely
1: the video probably lies about the crime rates there probably is crime but dr jim says is there isn't in
0: order yeah. to feed his ego yeah that could be a possibility i wouldn't rule that out so andrew before we get to the last topic of the evening um combine actually you no, know, the last two topics of the evening combined i'm going to combine them. what project are you looking forward to versus which one are you skeptical about or worried right. about
3: all right, so the project that I'm looking forward to, it isn't a Marvel, it's not a Marvel Studios project. The project I'm looking forward to is beyond the Spider Verse, and let me tell you, those Spider Verse movies are great. And the spot, and like how you were saying with regards to let your issue with legacy characters, those movies have done a lot for Miles Morales
0: mm-hmm. to where yeah.
3: he he is truly he's not just a black Peter Parker. He's, he's just Miles Morales. He does things yeah. differently. And especially with like in Across the Spider-Verse where, where he says, where he's fighting Miguel. And he's like, everyone keeps trying to tell me how my story is supposed to go. Nah, I'm going to do my own thing. And part of the reason why I love that line is because to me, it's almost like a middle finger to hardcore Spider-Man fans who always say that oh Pete like Spider-Man needs to be needs to suffer. He needs to go through X, Y, and Z. And my browse is like, no, I'm gonna do my own thing.
1: Slavery's a canon event, you can't change your miles. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Those memes are so good. They are good. <laughs> and like and let me just say that
3: part of the reason why I love that movie is because after the fact, Fans will all, and like, like people can go, go back and forth and talk about, like, when, like who was right or if someone had flawed thinking, like, I'm definitely of the opinion that Miguel has some flawed thinking and he's projecting, but I've, I've, I've talked about that with Aaron many times before. I, I, we, I'm not going to get into that now, because we ain't got that type of time.
0: <laughs> I understand. I understand.
3: And oh. one... So like one and one Marvel project that I'm skeptical about, it's one that I am looking forward to, but I'm also skeptical of Daredevil: Born Again.
0: Hmm.
3: I'm skeptical because I just I'm just curious to see how that will turn out. That's just that's just my thing, and and the, there are always like so many people who are skeptical saying that, oh, it's a reboot, it's not going to be the same, and I'm like, okay, first off, it's not a reboot. It's just like, it's a sequel series. Like, the fact that people don't get that is really annoying me. And because like, you can even look on like the Wikipedia page because they have a Wikipedia section for the character of Matt Murdock in the MCU. And when you look at character biography, it literally shows his what happened in the Netflix series to, to Spider-Man No Way Home, to She-Hulk. So it shows that this is the same character, you know. Like even as the actors themselves have said, but you know there are always those fans that don't like to look at what's right in front of them and face facts. And yes. They always like they they always just want to go off of their own headcanon because it helps them
1: sleep at night.
0: Yep. So I appreciate that, Stephen. Did you want to say anything with that before we get to the last two topics? Didn't Daredevil show up in she Yeah, he did. Yeah. So yeah. But I will say that one thing I do like:
3: they, the um, people working for on Daredevil: War said that you do not need to watch his appearance in She-Hulk to understand anything that happens. <laughs> Thank, and, God. Uh, <laughs>
1: Thank
3: God. And like, look, and like, Aaron, you said earlier that you need to watch the show for what it is and judge it. I watch She-Hulk for what it is. It's trash. I'm. I'm <laughs> I, I've said it many times, but literally the last episode negated everything it was quote-unquote building up to that is not how you write a good story for crying out loud
0: and they didn't know the only elements that she hawks fourth wall break were good was that one scene where bruce when they were rebuilding the bar that was funny and in the beginning when she was like oh yeah i'm a hulk uh you didn't know that but i'm gonna tell you how that was fine those were good moments of it. Um, I'm not. I'm not against how they actually showed how she got the She-Hulk powers in that show, like her blood, um, just suit's blood getting in her. But I agree with Andrew when we talk about that. They should have showed the reason why she became a lawyer, not how she became a Hulk. And though, and when it came, and when it came to that show, it just it introduces things that
3: it doesn't even answer. Because, I like, for example. Why why did a uh, Sakaran ship just appear and get and not and get them off the road? We don't know. The show didn't answer that. And we never have a clear resolution of that at all. And the thing that annoyed me the most, and the in the final episode, she's talking to quote unquote Kevin, saying that she wants the men to be held accountable. But the one person that was causing her the most problems the entire series was Titania and nothing happened to her like this woman literally assaulted jennifer numerous times and yes her focus was trying to hold men accountable that's how you can tell it was no, it, it had no story it just wanted to push an agenda
0: facts
1: my favorite thing about the uh she hawk one is they obviously did no legal research and did everything in their power to get out of writing court scenes yeah. Oh no, like there's literally
3: um a video, there's like a video uh YouTube channel where it's a lawyer and he re- he just reacts to things and movies and television that feature lawyers or courtroom scenes.
1: Legal legal eagle.
3: Yes, him. Yeah. He went in on She-Hulk and I was like and I was like, thank you. Cause there were so many things that just didn't make sense. Cause like in that in the second episode, when the the person she was up against the court said that he had the the, tr- the case declared a mistrial. And and one thing that he rightfully pointed out was like, okay, a mistrial doesn't mean the court is just over and done with. It just means you have it just means you just have to get a new jury and do the yes. trial over again.
1: So is it the um, prosecution decides they want to pursue further charges? And sometimes they just drop it. it, it exactly. It was just mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, bad legal stuff, there's a Spider-Man comic where he sues uh, J. Jonah Jameson for defamation. And I was sitting there the entire reading, I'm like, this is not how court works at all. I remember halfway through uh, the lawyer, I can't, what's his name, Pugsley? He works with uh, Matt Murdock. Yeah. He decides <laughs> they're also going to sue Peter Parker. And I'm like, that's not how fucking court works. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the things that drove me crazy was, um, it wasn't clear if they were suing J. Jonah Jameson or they're suing the, the, uh, David, the Bugle. David Bugle. Yes. separate. I talked to you about this, Aaron?
0: You talked to me about it. I also watched the video on it.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's it's fucking drove me crazy. That's not none of this is how, they did no research at all.
0: None. But moving on to the last topic, thank you all for your input on that last topic. By the way, appreciate y'all. Y'all, um, go look up the list of upcoming things from both Marvel, DC that we didn't talk about. We really didn't really talk about other stuff like anime tonight. Um, but I will say. Uh, For a little small recommendations, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen season two is out. Go check that out. Um, There will be a new season of Black Clover as well as a movie that is coming out. Spy Family, a new season and a new movie is coming out. One of my favorite animes, um, Bleach, is out right now. Uh, Love it to death. Go check it out. Um, And other animes that will be coming later, there'll be a third season of an anime called Vinland Saga. There will be more Dragon Ball Super, as earlier my boy Jared and Jeffrey talked, and um, Steven talked about One Piece. Um, That is, of course, continuing. (laughs) New episodes of that will be coming coming out, but the manga will be stopped for a little bit because the writer has taken some time off. but those are like a small, little bit of anime things right there for everybody. Um, but I think Hunter Hunter is supposed to come back. Hunter Hunter is supposed to come back too. The writer's on a break right now. Um, yeah. I love that anime. Great anime. Great manga. Hunter but is so good. It is. But if you want to know more about anime, we're doing an anime episode next week, so check it out. But moving on to the last topic, we're gonna to bring this back up what we talked about with Jeffrey and what we talked about. Well, you know, we just talked about with Jeffrey a little bit, and it's gonna be. The writer strike as well. Final thoughts on the conversation today. So I'm gonna say this. Um, Jeffrey said something that I don't disagree with, but I have I like to sit and look at both sides of it. He said that you should get paid what you deserve. I don't disagree with that, however, I do think you should get paid what you negotiate. If you negotiate that contract and you didn't read it properly, I'm sorry, you read it improperly. Now, there are legalities that people just snake you and just do some dumb shit. But when it comes to the writers and the actors strike, we really got to look into this because I do think people should be paid a wage. Writers and actors should be paid a wage to have you know, life happened. They can pay bills, take the kid to Walmart, get them a toy, get groceries, and still have a little bit of money to go to Disney World. They don't need to suffer. However, in the past few years, there's some shows and some projects where it's like, you ain't getting that fucking money? Like She-Hulk, Why? Like, example of She-Hulk, no. Like you did a terrible job writing that show. Like is it could have, have been because of everything that some people on that show are writing else? Possibly, I'm not gonna rule that out. however, the the director herself didn't do any research, basically made it a feminist propaganda, and she was like, and if you don't hate it, you're misogynistic. I don't <laughs> I don't want to give you any fucking money. But then we look at some things where it's like some writers they wrote on very successful shows and they had to pick up two and three jobs and it's like, dang. You were you did write on Orange is the New Black, Game of Thrones, um, and like all these other successful shows. Yeah, you should be getting a certain amount of money. But then it's like with the actor side of it. And I and I made this joke in like our nerd group chat on Instagram. I'm like, I get paying like a star who's been on this very successful show for the past few seasons should get paid. But I'm not paying bad guy number five a million dollars to get thrown out the window by Batman. I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. You just got thrown out the fucking window. Good job, you did your job today. No, no, no. I don't think you should suffer, but I'm not about to give you a million dollars for Batman kicking you out the fucking window.
3: Like it don't it don't take skill to get kicked out of window, but it takes skill to write.
0: Exactly. But I got a little more to say on it, but I wanted you all thoughts on like the whole situation. I think the um. I haven't seen a lot of coverage on this, but as far as like the acting part of it
1: goes, I think they—I talked to you about this earlier, like Mm. I think last week—is they need more protections for actors because I feel like a lot of the film industry is inherently predatory. So, like for example, like um, Better Call—I'll bring Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul, there's like sometimes a warning for nudity. You know, it's Bob—it's always Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk is the star of the show. If he doesn't want to do a nude scene, he's not going to do a nude scene. They're going to fire him. He's the star of the show. But like if you get actress number five in Game of Thrones, you're going to do have a lesbian sex scene in the background you fight her, no one knows who the fuck she is. You can just get someone else to do that. They shouldn't yep. be allowed to do something like that. That's inherently predatory and exploitative.
0: Yeah, that is. I agree with that.
1: But I haven't um, heard anyone um, in SAG mention that for some reason.
0: And it's like because it's not all of those things. It's more some monetary stuff. I know one of the um other things that they were talking about besides residuals, because I know we were talking about residuals, was things like, oh, food on set hell yeah, there should be food on set. That shouldn't <laughs> like, should be a problem. Um, Transportation, like hell yeah, people should have um adequate transportation and accessible transportation. Not going to disagree with that. But when it comes to still, I think for me, the biggest question is still going to be the matter of, oh, you pay, you're paying what you deserve. And it's like, if you did shit, you deserve shit. I'm sorry. But if you did great, you should get paid great.
3: I also know that, like, and this is just me coming from the standpoint as a as a creative person and a creator. I just know that, like, if you if you really want to get into the industry in Hollywood, whether it being a writer or an actor, one you have to assess the situation. Where is Hollywood located? California. California is an expensive place to live, so you should so you should definitely go there, knowing exactly you know. What kind, what type of expenses you're going to have to deal with, and how are you going to support yourself while also trying to develop your own, de, trying to develop your career in that creative field? Because uh, y'all, like y'all, like you already know that I'm, that I'm an artist and I do that, but it, but that's not the only thing I do because I'm still like trying to make sure that I'm getting myself established so I have a consistent job where I'll get consistent pay. So that I have something to support me, like with my bills, my financial obligations, as well as funding my creative endeavors. So the way that I'm looking at it, and the way that I go about it, it's like a long term goal. I don't expect to just come up majestically like that and just be taken to new heights. I also just have to keep in mind that it's going to be a slow process, and if, and if I really want to achieve. A certain level of monetary success with my creative endeavors I'm going to have to have things set up to where I won't be in a hard position so because you know we hear about about some of these writers having to take on multiple jobs or whatever the case may be now should am I saying people should have to take on multiple jobs in order to support themselves no But it's just one of those things where if you're going to a place where you already know it's competitive as hell, you already know that it's going to be expensive. You should definitely go understanding what situation you're going to get into and making sure you have a plan to best navigate it so that you don't find yourself uh, drawing the, the shortest
0: end of the stick, if that makes sense. It, it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense to me. I just think that I don't want anyone to take out of context what I'm saying. I'm not saying that no one should be paid fairly. Uh, but it's like, we got to be careful with that word fairly, um, as well as what you deserve. Do I think that these people should afford to just have a living and not live paycheck to paycheck absolutely actors or writers. Same thing with v- VFX um artists and everyone in that side. You should definitely be paid to live. You should definitely not just be paid to survive. But it's like like I said, I'm not about to give an abundance of money to someone who did she hawk. <laughs> and saying I'm not about to give an um, abundance of money to someone who did Wonder Woman World War II. I'm not about to pay an abundance of money to someone who did the Eternals, someone who did um what's another shitty project? Thor the Dark World. Like, no. I'm I love how
1: much you hate She-Hawk.
0: Yes, I do. I hate that fucking show. Um, like, no.
1: Did you watch the whole thing,
0: huh? Yes, yeah, the, the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> I watched it week for week, hoping it would get better. The first yes. episode was still the best episode. No,
3: same same here. And and this is one thing I realized they the reason why She-Hulk managed to get as many viewers as it did because it baited us with seeing Charlie Cox and Daredevil. If they said if they made it clear Daredevil was not gonna be in here, it, it probably would have had lower viewing figures.
0: And you know, they did the same smart thing like the Barbie trailer did. They didn't show the story, they just showed yeah. the they showed the fun shit quote unquote fun, quote unquote fun. Like if you look at the Barbie trailer, you look at the She-Hulk trailer. Oh, just see, she's she's She-Hulk. She's cool. Her ass is fat. Oh, she's so cool. <laughs> Daredevil. Oh, I'm watching it. Same thing the Barbie movie. Oh my God, it's Margot Robbie. It's pink. It's it's Ken. There's, Ken. There's Ken. There's Ken. There's Barbie. There's Barbie. See you July 21st. You didn't actually see the story. And that was brilliant marketing for, for bullshit feminist messaging. I will say that.
1: I'm really excited to see the Barbie movie, actually.
0: I've heard really mixed things about it. And I have to know. Oh, it's feminist propaganda, but I will say visually it's amazing. It looks amazing.
3: Well, I I I haven't seen it, but I can tell you one thing that I'm just this is just a projection. I mean, uh not a projection. Uh this is just my prediction. Uh the guys are gonna be the bad
1: guys. I just have an innate feeling. I have to see it. I need to know. Okay, well, when you see it, you let me know.
0: know. I I will let you know.
1: I think I'm going to have a lot of
0: thoughts on it. I appreciate it. (laughs) But final thoughts from tonight's conversation, fellas, from everything we talked about. um, Marvel, DC, like books coming out, movies, anime, whatever. And like final thoughts real quick.
1: Bye, Danny Phantom.
0: Yes, I'm going to pick up Danny Phantom. Thank (laughs) you for that. (laughs)
1: Uh, Andrew? Um, I'm
3: just... I'm just looking forward to uh, S- Spider-Man. I'm going to just be honest. Like Now that I think about it, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most are Spider-Man related stuff. With Spider-Man 2, the game, and uh beyond Spider-Verse, I, I just can't wait. I just can't get enough of Spider-Man. I just
1: can't.
0: Fair enough. I can't wait for the oh. Assassin's Creed video game. Speaking of Spider-Man,
1: Andrew, I saw you're a fan art of um Miles Morales. It was really good. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, the, to me. Yeah, those th- those ones have definitely been popular.
3: Like the the one where show where it's like the half one with Miles Morales and like Miles from Earth forty two. That one has like well over three hundred thousand views on IG.
0: Man, this is making numbers, but you heard it here. <laughs> go go buy artwork from my boy on Instagram at Art Check him out, but. My final thoughts, and I'll make it short and sweet. When it comes to these things, such as like the video games, TV shows, uh, Marvel DC related, not Marvel DC related stuff like The Last of Us or Um House of Dragons or Invincible or Um The Boys, uh, even though a little bit of those are superhero related, but all these other like big comic con things that happen there. Um, for example, oh, I forgot the Percy Jackson show coming out. Um, oh, sorry, I, I oh we should have talked about that. We should have talked about that. Oh god. Oh god. We're out of time though. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. A little worried, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm still gonna watch it. Um but hey, let me know if it's good because I think it's gonna be bad. Oh, I'm gonna let you know how it is. <laughs> 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 I wanna let you know how it is.
1: I think they're gonna fuck up Annabelle's character really badly.
0: I'm worried about her character too. I'm not gonna lie, but I'm also worried about Poseidon role in this too. But anyway, moving on. Go, when it comes to these things, go into it with an open mind. Um, Yes, some of these things may not pique your interest. That's cool. But don't shit on some of these things without even having understanding of what it could be. Like, for example, Stephen just said he thinks it's going to be bad. I'm going to let him know how it is. If I tell him, hey, it's not bad, you should watch it, he may watch it. He may not watch it. That's cool. But I highly doubt he's going to go on Twitter and start a whole campaign of why the movie should be canceled and how... I would never go on Twitter. Fair enough. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. But let's let's just try to let's not try to take away some people's joy from these projects. Some of them are gonna be good, some of them are gonna be bad subjectively, some of them are gonna be good, some of them are gonna be bad objectively. Like when we see the projects and when things happen, let's be sure that when the conversation happens, we can have the conversation. But this has been your boy Aaron. Thank you again to my sponsors at Charlie Clothing and Katana Creations. This has been my friends Steven, Andrew, and Jared and Jeffrey, who were previously on. I'll see y'all next episode, and y'all have a good night.